Welcome in, Justin Kinner, Kev Nash with you here on a Monday. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash live here on Dayton's ESPN radio station, 1410 Wing AM. I'm really excited for today's show. We got plenty to get into. We got Selection Sunday coming up uh, just under a week from now, of course. Uh, the Big Ten Championship game is set, and now we are setting up for Championship Saturday. Of course, we're going to get into all of that. More coaches upset with Ohio State. Uh, even in the midst of defeat, you have Dan Mullen in Florida uh, with Ohio State on their mind. You still have Dabo, who continues to defend his program and take shots at Ohio State as well. So we're going to get into all of that today. I love drama. I'm a big drama guy. <laughs> I, I love to sit, especially when it doesn't involve me. I love just sitting back and, and watching it all unfold. So that's kind of where I'm at with that, which we'll get into. We were waiting. The, the college football playoff season has been kind of boring in regards to chaos. Uh, we knew that the chaos was coming as far as the 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 committee's back being pressed against the wall as far as how they were going to you know decide on a couple of things. Uh, Florida made that a lot easier for the committee over the weekend, Kev. They really did. I'm a little bummed and disappointed in Florida. I'm not saying I don't want Ohio State in the playoff. What I'm saying is, is I wanted the committee to be forced to either force Ohio State in or leave them out. Mm-hmm. Now, Ohio State's in, in my opinion. I mean, a lot could still happen between now and then. The committee could still fall back on the, well, you haven't played enough games type of deal. Right. But it really did. Florida losing really did. You know, you always say, and I hate it, but everything takes care of itself. <laughs> but these teams really do need to step up to the plate a little bit and, and, and take care of it themselves. Um, Florida should not have lost that game. Or maybe they should have. Maybe we've been overhyping them for too long. I think that with Florida, we have been overhyping the the path to the playoff more than the actual team in position to get to the playoff. Because the thing is, it reminds me of with Northwestern a few weeks ago. They had a path to the playoff. Right. I was arguing that path. I was arguing that Northwestern actually was set up perfectly to head into the Big Ten title game undefeated. They came in at number eight in the very first college football playoff poll. And as long as you keep winning, you keep moving up. The committee is looking for reasons to continue to move you up. If you're undefeated in line to head to your Big Ten ch- or head to your conference title game, they're looking for reasons to keep you there or to move you up to you know create that big showdown moving forward. Northwestern shot themselves in the foot. They lost to a Michigan State team they should not have lost to. That's on them, and that frustrated me because it would have really set up an interesting scenario to where come Saturday the winner of Ohio State Northwestern goes to the college football playoff. Now it's Ohio State twenty and a half point favorite. They most likely win that game. It's We assume they're in, but a lot can happen between now and then. Florida, though, Kev, when you talk about everything shaping itself out, Florida, they, I don't like giving the committee an out. <laughs> I don't like that they're going to catch a break here. The decision-making now for the committee becomes a little bit easier now heading into this weekend as far as result, a results-based type deal. That's what I'm mad about. Florida bailed the committee out, and that's what I'm frustrated with. Man, I watched that game, and I tweeted this out. That felt like a college football game. Like, this season really hasn't felt like college football. You know, maybe, you know, we make this joke about, you know, the SEC, it means more. You know why? Because they're letting tons and tons of fans in there. They had the band in there. It was was a great game. I was watching it, and, you know, Florida could just never pull away. Like, they were turning the ball over. You know, Kyle Trask, a Heisman Trophy contender, he had three turnovers in that game. Uh, and, like, LSU was hanging around with all their young talent out there. Brad Johnson's son was out How there. How about that? Yeah, I didn't even realize that. Him now. And uh, a lefty and uh, keeping them in the game. They had to switch to a weird camera angle because of the fog and everything like that. And I remember it was a third down, and the DB for Florida came up and made a tackle. And as he was making the tackle, the 
LSU's player's shoe comes off. And I see him throw the shoe. And the wife and I are watching the game, like, 15-yard penalty. She's like, why? I was like, his shoe. He threw his shoe. It's like, that wasn't a towel? I was like, well, a towel, shoe. I don't think nobody can throw a, a towel 15 yards. I have a confession to make. I can't, like, I've watched it a million times. I don't see where he threw it. I know he threw it. <laughs> I, it's so I, foggy. I, need, I need to check my <laughs> my vision, but I literally... I could, I've watched it a million times. I could not see it. Yeah. I see the players surround him afterwards like, dude, dude. what are you doing? <laughs> and what if you're an official? Do you let that go? No. You got to call that. That, that. Do you? Yes, absolutely, man. That's a that's a bonehead play. You let a, an official a let a shoe. You, you, you <laughs> called a shoe. You I can't mean, do In that. a big game, you called a penalty on a shoe. Like man, it's you, just, th- you ain't like toss it like, oh, I, I, I tackled him. And you just toss it like he slung it, dog. He he like literally tried to throw it to the other side of the end zone. But did you die? <laughs> so I'm watching that game. They called a 15 yard penalty. They don't get the ball. They end up getting the ball back after LSU kicks a field goal, and the kicker loses it and uh, misses it. And they're like, "Oh man, your kicker, you got to make that." Like, whoa, the blame should be going on that DB for that 15 yard penalty for giving LSU new life and everything like that. But you know, those are the games that I missed all season. Those games where the favorite team ends up losing in a way in seconds. And, you know, those those games that, that college football is known for, we just haven't had those this season. Um, USC's been living on the edge all season. They've got, like, four comeback victories, and they've only played six games. <laughs> like, so I've been watching a lot of USC because they give me that feeling of, oh, man, anybody can literally win this game. I don't really have a rooting interest. I'm just here to be entertained and have a good game. So this weekend actually felt like some real college football, and that's kind of why I was rooting for Florida to win that game so, like, we could have, like, all all that college football feel in the SEC championship game on Saturday night at 8 o'clock. It's kind of like would be a winner gets in for sure situation in the, in the SEC game now. But now that Florida has that second loss, I don't think they're going to get in. So it kind of takes some of the luster off that. So the biggest matchup of the week is Clemson and Notre Dame now. That's the, that's the one that I'm looking forward to the most outside of the Buckeyes game. Yeah, Travco, he disagrees. He says, finally, finally a game people care about Michigan versus Iowa. Uh, so he <laughs> said December 19th, 6 p.m. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, I do need to uh, defend that team up north for just like literally 30 seconds. Buckeye fans, you can hate me. You already do. Most of you do. Uh, people are really need to figure out what that report means when they say that only nine players on Michigan tested positive. You do need to understand that nine players tested positive, but there were still other players who were going to, it was, I mean, in the masses, it was in the 20s that were right. going to be out due to contact tracing, due to not having final results back. You had to have X amount of positive tests to be cleared to play, and a lot of guys had not been cleared to play because they had not you know, taken the proper amount of tests. So I'm just throwing that out there. A lot of people stir in that pot. Michigan's then now playing this week. Oh, how convenient. And yeah, you well, know, uh, well, they missed the week before Ohio State as well. Yeah. So I, mean, I just want to throw that out there. Bottom line is that game's in the past. Who cares? I, I'm done with that conspiracy theory. It is what it is. It's on to the games that count, uh, which is, of course, the Big Ten championship game coming up. Uh, Ohio State, Northwestern. You have the ACC title game. You have Clemson and, and uh, Notre Dame part two. And then 
the SEC title game, the one that I was actually looking forward to more than any of them, even more than the ACC title game, was Alabama-Florida because I thought that that game carried more weight on it than anything else. Now it doesn't. Now it really does because if Alabama wins, they're supposed to win, they're in. If right. Alabama loses, Alabama's still in. Florida, you're probably sitting at number five or six behind Texas A&M. I don't see two SEC teams getting in, Kev, not anymore. Um, I, I just don't. I don't see Texas A&M getting in. Period. And uh, now Florida, I think, obviously just shot themselves in the foot. Um, and then, obviously, it comes down to Clemson, Notre Dame. Let's say you know Clemson takes care of Notre Dame and it's close. They're a 10-point favorite. Those two get in, and then you're sitting at number four. Now you're talking about a six-win Big Ten champion Ohio State undefeated Buckeye team against a two-loss Florida team. Two-loss teams not getting in. Right. A one-loss Texas A&M team. I could see where the people will start. We'll find out just how serious the committee is about looking at Ohio State saying, yeah, we know you're a top four team. But again, we just can't overlook that because that is the one crying point that Dabo Sweeney continues to go to. That is the one crying point that Dan Mullen continues to go to. Dan Mullen, I mean, he just got divorced. <laughs> he just got divorced, and he's, you know, not even thinking about moving on. He's just, he's still, you know, he's mad, or he's mad about the X still. So that Dan Mullen was thinking about Ohio State in the postgame. Yeah. He just said, oh, well, we are rewarding teams for playing less games. Now, I will say, He's not necessarily wrong, but it's the timing of which he's coming out and speaking out that makes him look like a sore loser in this situation. So this, I love chaos. I love drama. That's what all of this is. Folks, this is why I love the 14 playoff. We're watching grown men have literal temper tantrums in post games. Your team just lost a close one, and you're thinking about Ohio State. You're angry at Ohio State. I mean, you, they're, look they're at in your mind. Yeah, Dabo continues to drop Ohio State's name. And they still got a game to play. In Ohio State, in Clemson, and Dabo owns Ohio State. He, Ohio State can't beat Clemson. They can't beat Dabo. And Dabo is more worried about Ohio State than anybody else. And th to me, what that says is the fact that Clemson, who controls their own destiny, to me, the reason you need to look out for Notre Dame is because Dabo's already telling you he's worried about Notre mm -hmm. Dame. Because if Dabo was so confident in his team's ability to beat Notre Dame, he wouldn't even worry about Ohio State because Ohio State's a non-factor to Clemson. You know why Ohio State becomes a factor to Clemson, Kev? Because a two-loss Clemson team is going up against an undefeated 6-0 and right. Big Ten champion. Ohio State's relevant in Dabo Sweeney's world because he knows there's a good chance he can lose on Saturday. Florida, we never heard Dan Mullen talk about Ohio State until when? The post game. How convenient that the two coaches who are talking about Ohio State the most, coincidentally, might be the two lost teams that have been told how pretty they are and how they're going to be a playoff team for weeks and months now. Now, all of a sudden, their futures kind of look up in the air. And you know what I do if I'm Clemson? To challenge the SEC or to challenge the playoff committee, Kev? Don't play. <laughs> Don't play. Don't play. You know, you definitely won't make it. I mean, when I say don't play, <clears throat> got some sickness going on. We we were fine accusing Michigan. Let's look at the other one. What? Why wouldn't Clemson do it? Don't play another game. Don't risk losing. You're in. You've been in since the very beginning. You're not going to be out. Playing could only hurt you. You playing for an ACC title game. Let's be clear here. They don't care. Let deep down, the Buckeyes don't care about Big Ten titles. 
that just comes with the territory. Like you automatically get that if you if you're striving to be in the college football playoff, that just kind of comes with it. That goes to the Michigan argument from weeks ago when mm-hmm. I was saying, you know what, I just don't get it. I wish Ohio State would just say, hey, we respect the rivalry, but our goal is to win a national championship. Well, let's be clear, you're not winning a national championship unless you beat Michigan. So it kind of all comes into play here. Big Ten championship, same thing. Clemson's minds on winning national championships. They've won multiple here in, le- in the last five six years. That's all they care about, and they know that hey, it's not that we don't care about the ACC title, but that winning a national title that just comes with it obviously but you can only hurt yourself if you're Clemson playing in this game and this in this ACC title game hurts you and I say this because if I'm Clemson I challenge the committee why Ohio State you're telling us it's fine that Ohio State's only played six games so why do we even need to play this game but what, what? about the competitive nature what about athletes really wanted to compete and they, you know they, but they've done their part though right i mean i know what you're saying a million percent agree with you but like see it from that perspective we're looking at it with buckeye blinders a little bit no i'm looking at it as straight competitiveness like you know look at it from their standpoint look at it from even their fan base standpoint or even uh, a fifth-year senior that's been on that team who has basically uh four acc championships on on his side I know the fans only really care about national championships, but we're going to let a Notre Dame come into our conference and win it. Like, they're renting space here. They don't even want to be here. We're not going to allow them to come in our conference and win. Like, mm-hmm. like those are the those are the things that I would be selling my team. Like, as a coach, I think it's soft when you start worrying about other teams and what they're doing. I, I think what Dabo is doing is soft constantly bringing up Ohio State and I would be saying that even if I wasn't a Buckeye fan I think what Dan Mullen is doing is soft like yo don't worry about what we doing over here worry about what you guys are doing maybe you should be talking to your players about not throwing shoes 15 yards down the field hey Dabo maybe you should be worried about your linebackers tackling in space instead of worrying about how many games Ohio State is playing those are the type of things you need to be worried about don't worry about us worry about your own team and maybe you can win it, win your conference, and get into the college football playoff and win it. You constantly we're renting space in your head. I don't know why y'all big bad Clemson, y'all beating Ohio State. Ohio State's never beat you. Thirty-one zero, right? You just beat us in a, a great game last year, right? Why are you constantly worried about us? Oh, thirty-one. Whatever. That's what I. That's what I would be saying. Yeah. Like, what? I, no, not that's not what I'd be saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. That's what I'm telling Coach Dan Mullen. Hey. Discipline your players better. Maybe you wouldn't get 15 yard penalties from a senior. Hey, Dabo, worry about your linebackers tackling the space. Maybe uh, Ian Book wouldn't be getting 100 plus rushing yards on you. Don't worry about us. Worry about yourself. Because I'm sure Ryan Day is only worried about this game on Saturday. He's worried about winning this game on Saturday and getting to the college football playoff. He's not talking about other teams. He don't even talk about Michigan. To be fair, though. Ohio State has no choice but to just – Ohio State has to worry about themselves because Clemson's done everything they – the reason it's okay for Clemson to focus on Ohio State is because Clemson has done everything that they can to this point. Ohio State, they just need to get games in. Like, that's why they're not even worried about opponents. That's why they're not worried about – they just – like, their back's against the wall. Ohio State's facing a lot of pressure whether we want to admit that or not. Yeah. And that's why I'm telling you right now, I'm going to take my Buckeye fandom away for a second. I think it's wrong that a team that's only played six games – couldn't get in a playoff over a team who has a loss or even two who the only reason they might have more losses is because they played more games. Look at the fact that Florida lost to LSU. No one saw that coming. Florida had no business losing to LSU. How many teams on Ohio State's schedule have no business beating Ohio State? 
Could have ended up beating Ohio State. We've seen Ohio State lose to teams they shouldn't in recent years. So it's not that unfathomed, uh, uh, unfathomable to think about. I'm playing devil's advocate here. I'm pointing this out just to kind of hit the hypocrisy points of Buckeye fans who act like they're so appalled as to why would Dabo Sweeney come at us? Why would Dan Mullen come at us? It makes a lot of sense. And I would, I would think that if Ohio State, if the roles were reversed, I would hope that our coach is doing the same thing. Like it's all about the political, you know, it, yeah. the, the politics in this. They're all starting to do that. It's positioning themselves. In fact, Buckeye fans, I know for a fact, have gotten angry in years past when Urban Meyer wasn't doing enough right. politicking. Remember those years they lost mm-hmm. to Iowa and Purdue? I remember, you know, heading into those selection Sundays, a lot of the criticism that was going towards Urban Meyer and Gene Smith from Buckeye fans was, why aren't we hearing you speak out to the media more? Like, what we hate that Dabo and Dan Mullen is doing is what we got mad at Urban Meyer and Gene Smith for not doing years ago, where we're like, why aren't you speaking out? Why aren't you talking about the unfairness of this? Or why aren't you calling out the hypocrisy of this team losing and I us think, losing? I want to, I like that. It adds to the drama I think, and it shows they're panicking. I, I love think, it. I, I think, love it. I think Herb is, was uh, living what he was preaching to his players. One of Urban's biggest lines is can control what you can control. And he literally lived it. I, I've been on record say I'm not the biggest Urban Meyer fan, but I can respect that. I can respect him not only walking the walk and talking the talk at the same time. Like, he's talking about what his team can do. We can't worry about them. We just got to control yeah. what we can control. And when they got into that Big Ten championship game, they put it on Wisconsin because they were in control. They were able to control not only the outcome of that game, but the style point aspect. And that was able to catapult them into the national championship playoff. And they were able to win it. Um, I would say, since I'm a college football fan, there's a team out in California, USC, who is currently undefeated as well. So we're totally ignoring that. Yeah, so that's that, on us that, too, right? Now, <laughs> yeah. So no, no, we've talked about that. Yeah, we've talked about like, how you know they were uh, undefeated, and uh, Colorado was undefeated until this past weekend. Uh, USC just had another come from behind victory. So my aspect of it is okay. Ohio State and Ohio State fans, if we determine that we should be in the college football playoff because we're an undefeated Power Five champion, you better be saying the same thing for USC because they play Oregon. This weekend because Washington just had a COVID outbreak, so they won't even be able to compete in their conference championship game. So USC will be playing Oregon on Friday instead of Washington. So, hey, let's let's, like you like to talk about hypocrisy. Don't be hypocrites. Don't be saying, oh, we're undefeated conference champion. USC potentially is going to be an undefeated conference champion as well. So pull for them as well. Now, here's my point. We will begin to hear those teams. Like the thing is. The urgency is going to increase as the week goes on. Don't be surprised to hear Ryan Day be bringing up the other conference, too. You know, bringing up like those. Like, Ohio State's really not in competition with Clemson right now. Mm-mm. They're in competition with Cincinnati. They're in competition with the Pac-12. Like, that's who they're in competition with. What I mean, the, the biggest fans of Florida over the weekend were the Pac-12. The Pac-12 yeah. kind of, they got an invite to the adult table a little bit because Florida opened that door. Right. Because heading into this weekend, we were told that there is one scenario that'll just basically make this the most boring selection Sunday ever. Florida beats Alabama. Clemson beats Notre Dame. It's a wash. You have right. Alabama, Florida, Notre Dame, Clemson. They're in Ohio State. Very cute season enjoy playing USC in a bowl game, and then off you guys go. Justin Fields, good luck in the NFL. That's basically what we were on the path of heading towards. Now, with Florida out of the conversation, it's Alabama at one. The winner of Notre Dame 
and Clemson at two. The loser of that matchup, depending on how that game ends up, if it's if it's Notre Dame, obviously they're going to be at three or four. Mm-hmm. And it's between Ohio State, it's between USC, it's between Texas A and M, Cincinnati. If we're just going to throw them a little bone here. I mean, that's really who they need to be looking out for. The Pac-12 is a big threat to Ohio State right now because every time you open your mouth about why it's fair for you to be in the playoff, it's just as fair for right. them to be in the playoff as well, right? Like, cause Absolutely, it's the same 100%, thing. Now, 100%. common sense just says, we know Ohio State's better than USC. Let's be real. They need to be in over that. That's where the common sense aspect of this will come into play or the elitism, I guess. We'll see. So, uh, this is fun. I think I'm, everybody... I I personally do believe that Notre Dame is going to win this ACC championship really? on Saturday. Yes, I okay. think they're going to win. And that could, could potentially put in Alabama, Ohio State, obviously, if they take care of business, Notre Dame, and that fourth spot, who is it going to be? Is it going to be A&M? Are they going to dare put A&M, a team that got blown out? Are they going to put them in there, a non-conference champion? If the Bearcats take care of business versus Tulsa, a ranked Tulsa team, by the way, uh, will they put US? Will they put the Bearcats in there, or will they put USC in there, who has potential to win their conference championship and be undefeated as well? Like they can, they can go ahead. I I would be mad just because I've been pu- swinging the UC banner all season, but I wouldn't be mad if all that happened and they put USC in there. I wouldn't be mad at that. But so. Are they a package deal, Ohio State, USC? Because you can't, you can't, the uh, the only way you could justify putting Ohio State in over USC is the right answer, which is, well, we just know they're better. But the committee is, they're too cute for that. They they won't just come out and say that because then it, you know, deteriorates all their other explanations for why they do things. But there is, if we're going to talk about resumes and strength of schedules and eye tests, let's be clear, Ohio State's look dominant against bad competition. We talked about the one good team they played in Indiana. It's the weirdest thing with Ohio State because the best team that they played, they actually look, their their, their best win is the game that they are actually being critiqued. Like, they're not being critiqued for how they looked against Penn State or any other team. They're being critiqued because, hey, your best win is Indiana, but the mm. team you looked the worst in was also Indiana. So it's it's a double-edged sword. It's, it's because it's, cause it's yeah. has Indiana on it. So it's Indiana's if, that double-edged sword. Of, yeah, if, you it's, know. if it's that team up north, it's, if it's Penn State, people won't look at it the same. People will be like, all right, you know, they're a respected team. They're a respected brand. You had a tough matchup. They stormed back on you. You guys held on to win. Good win, guys. But it's not. It's Indiana, and nobody respects Indiana. And that's how college football has always been. It's always been you have to prove yourself you have to build up that equity for over a couple years before people start to take you serious. And I bring this up all the time. Like, Clemsoning was just a thing, like, six years ago. You know what I'm saying? Like, before Deshaun Watson was there, the season before that, they were Clemsoning. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, it, it that was a thing. So, it, it can turn at the drop of a dime, but you just have to build up that equity over a couple years. So, I, I, I do believe that. I do believe if Ohio State is in that USC should be in that other spot as well if if they're able to pull it off. If they're able to pull off their undefeated season as well and Notre Dame beats Clemson, I do believe USC should be in there. All right, it's the Justin Kenner Show with Kev Nash live here on Dayton's ESPN radio station, 1410 Wing AM. We're going to open up the phone lines. 
The number to call, 457-9464. Your takeaways from over the weekend. What kind of chaos, what chaos do you foresee unfolding come this weekend, especially with Florida losing this past weekend? Because Florida losing opened the door uh, for at least a little bit more breathing room for the American Conference to feel like they have a shot to get Cincinnati in. The Pac-12 all of a sudden emerges. I think they were going to emerge in the conversation, but I never felt those chances of making it were very high. Florida losing opens that door now for the Pac-12 to have a pretty good chance to get their conference champion in. Ohio State, I think they did have uh, they should have been nervous last week with Florida going down. I think that you Buckeye fans should just relax a little bit. I do think that their chances of getting in just increased uh, dramatically. So, 457-946 for your takeaways from this past weekend's slate of college football games. Again, that wrapped up the regular season, folks. That That's it. Conference championship games coming up this weekend. Selection Sunday coming up. We find out who's in the college football playoff this week. It's weird. It feels like, man, we, we did it. We, we finished the regular season. It was ugly. It was a bumpy ride. There was lots of turbulence. Holy moly. Championship Saturday coming up. Big Ten championship game. Noon kickoff, 1030 the pregame. And, of course, you can catch all coverage right here on Dayton. Some of the Buckeyes, 1410 ESPN Radio. Phone lines are open, 457-9464. Kev Nash and I, we will be back with your calls next. Talk tomorrow because justice is going to be all over. He's one of the people from day one that says the Bengals need to get. All right, everybody, we welcome you back. Justin Kenner, Kev Nash, with you on Dayton's ESPN radio station 1410. Wing AM, Ohio State Northwestern, a noon kickoff coming up in the Big Ten title game. Usually the Big Ten title, a night game, but uh, flex to its noon kickoff. Of course, Fox right now is just desperate for as much uh, Ohio State content as uh, they can possibly get. I hate that they moved it up to noon, by the way. I like it. So I like it. It's, you know what? We should just like it because it, it matches <laughs> everything in 2020. It's different. There it is. Um, but reaction to it was a very exciting week in college football. I'm not going to lie. We, we talked last week about, you know, has this season been fun? It hasn't been really fun in regards to, of course, constantly worrying about whether your team's <laughs> going to be healthy enough to play. But it also hasn't been fun because since the very first college football playoff ranking came out, teams one through seven in the first three that have come out, they've been the same for two of the first three. And really the one that changed, it was only one that changed in the top seven. And I say seven, that sounds like a weird, uh, random number, but... Those seven are really the only ones that truly have a shot, uh, which we'll talk about here in a moment. But it hasn't been that exciting because a lot of these teams, they've just been, you know, Alabama keeps winning, Ohio State keeps winning, Clemson kept winning, Notre Dame kept winning, uh, Cincinnati kept winning. The problem is they just stopped playing. Uh, you know, so like you kind of have to keep playing. And I feel bad for them, man. They haven't played since November 21st. Yeah. They haven't, the Bearcats have not played a game since before Thanksgiving. Woo! They're going to be rusty, you know. man. They're going to be rusty. Like, there's no way that you can go out there and play a clean football game and you haven't played in basically a month. Uh, back to, real quick, we're going to get to the phones, but uh, Doug Toby on Facebook says, noon times, uh, noon time is a good time so that small businesses and bars can be, actually, that's a great point. Didn't think about that. How many of these uh, bars are not able to really take advantage of these, you know, night games, these yeah. what's considered prime time? Where bars usually make a lot of their money, they're not able to make money because I mean, look, look at tonight, Monday Night Football, yep. the Browns. Uh, all I've heard, the majority of the Browns content today, yes, has been about the Browns and the Ravens, how big it is. But the sad part is, a lot of these local bars downtown 
Cleveland's finally good. There's something finally exciting going on, and these businesses can't thrive off of it because right. they have to, of course, close by 10. So, um, no, that's a great point, Doug. And by the way, happy belated birthday. Um, hey. So a shout-out to Doug. Uh, happy belated birthday to him. That's a great point. Something I didn't think about. You know what? I could I could roll with that. I could roll with that. So, uh, interesting, uh, that's for sure. Uh, Robert Miller says Ohio State was number one at one point. Uh, Robert, you're right. That was the, the AP um, yeah, poll. What, I, when I said that the poll stopped changing, it was the um, once the college football playoff poll comes out, Robert, I just start paying attention to that. Um, the AP poll was, they had that had a lot of teams shifting, um, but I, I don't really put any. You know, credibility at all into the poll, the AP poll, once the college football playoff one um, comes back. Chris Schulp, one difference between USC and Ohio State uh, is that Ohio State started near the top of the AP rankings and then the top of the college football rank. That's another good point, too, where Ohio State, we felt like Buckeye fans feel like they were punished from going from number one to number four. Buckeye fans have been, like, I hate to use the word crying because it sounds like I'm taking a shot. They've been whining. No, that sounds bad, too. (laughs) Buckeye fans have been upset for a while now because they feel like they're being punished. I feel that they're being rewarded because the committee has continued to leave them in the top four. Punished is keeping you out of the playoff because you've only played four or five games. You're being rewarded by being there at number four when you have a Texas A&M team that can argue that, well, what if we decided to be sick that week that we played Alabama and didn't play them? We could be undefeated at 8-0, and and we'd be sitting there at number four. Like, Ohio State's lucky that Texas A&M, you know, got blown out. Because, Kev, I think the committee would have a real mess on their hands if Texas A&M lost by one possession to Alabama. Then they would really have a mess on their hands. So, yeah. no, I, no, Chris, I agree with you on that, too. Because for USC, the committee's desperately trying to move them up, and they don't want to be obvious about it. They, they don't want to go from top of the you know, bottom of the rankings to all of a sudden shooting up to top five. Yeah. Right? I mean, they last week, they only moved them up one spot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, so last week, USC was sitting at 15. So the week before that, they were sitting they at 20. So they moved up five spots in a week. So can they shoot? <laughs> Here's the problem with U.S. <laughs> this is crazy, man. They about to go up to top 10 with a bullet. Here's the problem with USC. You described them earlier using the come from behind theory. Mm-hmm. That's what they've been doing. Mm-hmm. That sounds cute in the NFL. The cardiac kids, the cardiac. That's not good in the college football playoff race. Because all I'm hearing is, oh, you're you're trailing to a lot of non-top, like they haven't played anyone to significance. So that means USC, oh, you're coming from behind to win close games. You're also trailing non-top 25 teams on the regular, and you're coming back to barely beat them. Like that may have worked. You're, like Ohio State benefited from that in, what, 2002 or 2001 mm-hmm. or whatever they won that national title. That's why I argued that year. You know, if the college football playoff existed that year, Ohio State's they don't win. They don't win that national title because they're probably not even playing in it. Like they were undefeated, they probably get in the playoffs. Yeah, so maybe that's there not were only true. Two undefeated teams that year. But they would have probably been a four seed in the playoff, undefeated, just because Ohio State didn't win convincingly in a lot of those games. You know. But anyways, no, that's a great point, Chris. So let's go to the phones four five seven nine four six four reaction to what you saw this past weekend. Uh, of course, in the final week of the regular season of college football, setting up championship Saturday, and of course the ongoing debate of who should be in the top four. Kev, who we got first? We got Bama Bryant. Bam O'Brien, how are you, sir? Welcome in. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey. You know, I, I think what I saw this weekend was a birthday gift to the Ohio State Buckeyes because Ohio State, though in my opinion, they do not deserve to be in the championship game, but the road has been paved that they get the opportunity. Um, the, the blessing that they have is that they're playing Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship, 
and that would be just like Alabama playing Vanderbilt. <laughs> and so how it's going to all play out, I believe Clemson's going to beat Notre Dame, and Clemson, and it's going to come out Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Notre Dame will move to the four. I, I won't complain, other than I really wanted Ohio State, Notre Dame, and or Ohio State, Clemson in the national title game. But you know what? Uh, Ohio State, Alabama in the national title game has a pretty good sound to it as well. Buckeye fans yeah, really they, want Ohio State to get their hands on Clemson. Like, it, I'm not going to lie to you. Bama was the most hated team. Ohio State. I, if we ran a poll a year ago, two years ago, Alabama would have been the most hated team out outside of Michigan for Ohio State. Clemson has officially taken that that uh, taken that cape, and, and they've flown off with it, basically. Well, I, well, I tell you what, I think that that's going to be the way it's going to play out. Because there's no way in the world Northwestern is going to be is going to beat um, Ohio State. There is no way in the world. But the, the game, the best game, the, the best game to watch is going to be between Clemson and Notre Dame. Uh, Alabama, they should beat Florida, you know. But but um, at, at the end of the day, the top four, the top four teams in the country, if you're going to include all, and they in the the nation wants Ohio State in that game, they're not going to put Texas A&M in the top four. And you see, I know everybody likes how how fun that sounds, but. You don't want to put UC on the football field with anybody the likes of Alabama, Clemson, or Notre Dame. They're, they'll get boat raced. I agree. I, I, I agree. That's the one thing that I've you know been, been talking about for a while when it comes to Cincinnati is is sometimes the, the feel-good story is Cincinnati getting there. That feel-good story always comes to an end, come kickoff. It's kind of like in the NCAA tournament. I do know for a fact that the Cinderella stories are there. There are a lot of teams who have those Cinderella runs, and they're the feel-good story. But how many 16, 15, 14 seeds just get boat raced, and they are not Cinderella teams? And it's like, oh, man, the feel-good moment was the week leading up to Selection Sunday. Their watch parties were cute. It was adorable. The community came and supported Shout out the team. To Sister Jean. Um, and then all of a sudden, I, okay, again, how many 16 seeds, 15, 14 seeds? There's like there's only one or two Cinderella stories every March. Shots out the Butler. It, again, you are acting Twice. as if I'm saying that it doesn't <laughs> I'm not, happen. I'm, not, I'm just My saying shots out to those teams. Program when you have 68 teams that. Or there, there's more opportunities for that. When you only have four, it's prime real estate. Yeah, absolutely, I'm not, you're right. I'm not for the I'm not for the pity party invitation. I'm not for the oh, this will make great headlines in the newspaper. The committee, they're going to get great. They're loving the headlines of keeping them out. We're still talking <laughs> about the playoff. Who we got next, Kev? We got Reggie. Reggie, go Browns. Go Browns. How are you, my friend? Oh, I'm doing good. It's a good day. I like the pep in your voice. You sound excited. That's what I like to hear. Uh, I'm sure you have uh, Brown stuff to get to. We're, we're going to talk a lot of Browns coming up, but I don't mind talking Browns uh, with you right here. What you got? Oh, no, no, no. I just I just don't know how Cass feels about his Steelers right now. Oh, that's how you're going to do me, Reggie. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm look, they're looking bad. They're looking bad. But I want to give, give Buffalo a lot of credit for that, though. Like, yeah, we can talk about how the Steelers are dropping passes and they can't run the ball and everything like that. But at the end of the day, man, Buffalo was hitting Stephon Diggs in the in our zone defense left and right. He ate us up in the second half. Um, and you gotta give kudos to Buffalo. We're, we're still eleven and two. We got a lot of time to go in the regular season. We got to get a lot of things fixed. We'll we'll see what happens. Before I start talking college, you know, if y'all lose one more, you'll be tied with us. 
in the division. And that's gonna be kind of tricky there. That won't be tied. They still they'll still be up. They're a, 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 a game and a half right now. Cleveland's only gonna make up a half game tonight. Yeah. Yeah. So and I said they will make up a half game tonight when they beat the Ravens coming up <laughs> Monday night football. We play on the last game of the season, number. It's setting oh, yeah. up. It's setting up real nice for and a nice little it's race. Going to the down. That's line, what. This, so. That's why we love sports, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, you still owe me that beer. I got you, baby. I got you. Don't worry about it. So, all right, Reggie. Good, good stuff. All right, so real quick before college ball. Okay, so real quick, when it comes to college, okay, Dabo and the commissioner of the SEC, they can talk wherever they want because due to the fact that when it comes down to a house, they're going to make it in regardless. Mm-hmm. You know, well, I don't know about regardless. I, I, I think their chances increased with Florida losing, but I'm still. I still don't think that they're a lock. Uh, they're, no, they're, they're a lock because that's a cash cow for ESPN. That's a cash cow. They're we say that, but there's a lot of cash. ESPN is going to make a lot of money regardless of who is, who's in it. Uh, Ohio, Ohio, we, we heard years ago that Ohio State was a cash cow. There's no way they would keep them out. They kept them out. No, Ohio State kept their stuff out by losing. Fair enough. That's what happened. But I can guarantee you after this weekend, um, I can tell you Clemson is going to get a second loss. I can guarantee you that I can feel it. They're going to get that second loss, and they're going to be out of the playoffs. Well, I agree with you. I feel I, there was not. Well, I don't agree. I don't think they're going to lose, but I, I believe that Dabo believes they're going to lose uh, because I've talked about you know how the fact that you know at, at this point Dabo has been very interesting lately, continuously bringing up Ohio State when Ohio State should not be a concern to Dabo Swinney. But the reason he keeps bringing them up is because Clemson is going to argue that although they are a two-loss team, they are technically only a legit one-loss team because they lost to Notre Dame the first time because they didn't have Trevor Lawrence right. and missed some key defensive pieces. If they lose to Notre Dame this time, they will argue that, well, that's a legit loss. That first loss was because of that. And if you are going to sympathize with Ohio State and put them in and use COVID as the excuse as to why you're going to give them the benefit of the doubt, then you need to give us the benefit of the doubt that we would have won that game back in week two when we were rolling. Clemson's going to wave that flag. So the reason I believe that they are focusing so much on Ohio State is because Dabo's a little concerned, a little nervous. He's a little worried. About that situation, Kev, I know you're trying to catch them. Who we got? Who's up next? Uh, no, I really wanted to jump in yeah. there real yeah, quick yeah, yeah. Um, about Ohio State. And I hear this all the time. You know, guys we work with here at the station on a regular basis is, oh, they're not going to do that to Ohio State. We're a cash cow. It's cash cow that. Do you really want to be put in the playoff because you're a cash cow or just put in there because, oh, man, you guys bring a lot of viewers and everything like that? Don't you want to be put in there because they legit think you're one of the best teams in the country and you legit have a chance to win a championship? Like you talk about UC. Do you want a pity invitation or do you really want to be invited? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sure everybody's known a person that's got uh, a pity invite to a party, like a quote-unquote non-cool kid gets invited to the party because their parents made them. Mm-hmm. You know, don't you want to be invited because you truly belong at the party? Like I, 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 I really get irritated when people say stuff like that. Like where they're a cash cow, that's why they're getting invited. No man, let's let's get on, get in on our own morals. Let's get in on our own basis. Let's not hope that we get in just because like oh we bring a lot of viewers and we bring a lot of money to the table let's get in there because we earn the right to and i know this is a COVID year and we only play six games and other teams have played nine ten games and everything like that i just that type of rhetoric irks me we got uh who we got on the line we got robert on the line robert what's up man welcome in 
Hey, thanks for having me. I just wanted to say a couple things real quick. Number one, I got a guy looking at his comments telling me that uh, there are no, there's only three good teams in the Southeast Conference. My question back to him as well. How many good teams are there in the Big Ten? One and a half. Okay. Now, there you go, one and a half, okay? And I don't see three good teams in the Southeast Conference either. I only see two good teams in the Southeast Conference. One of them right now is Georgia, who's out of it. Okay, and that is even obviously Alabama, who will win their 18th national title and will go and beat it. You're, you're that confident that they are going to beat Clemson and Ohio Like, if Ohio State gets in, you're that confident. Well, we owe Ohio State an ass-kicking as it is. <laughs> <laughs> hey, quick, quick question. Uh, in, you know, we were giving a lot of attention to Florida just because of their path to the playoff. How legit... You know, is Florida? I mean, was there any part of you as a Bama fan? You sound like a very confident Bama fan. Uh, any was there any part of you that was like, okay, Florida's a pretty good team; they have a good shot at beating us, or was or were we just overhyping them because they at least had a path to get to the playoff at that point? Yeah, I think that you guys are just full of hype, okay? Because Florida never really was going to have a pass in, regardless. And there's no conference that's going to have a two-loss team, man. So you can bank on that as well. And Clemson will probably just smoke Notre Dame. So who's in, who's your four? How, how do you not really want my fourth is because I got an outlier, my friend. All right, let's hear the outlier. The outlier is the best team in Ohio, the University of Cincinnati Bearcats. <laughs> That's your. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll buy your outlier. They're the best team in Ohio. I won't buy that, but I'll buy your outlier um, because of circumstances. If Florida wins this past weekend, I would have given them a zero percent chance. The committee could still get cute with it. I don't think they will, but if they do get cute with it, the Bearcats could be put in as a reward for playing more games. But I don't see why they would leave Ohio State in at four despite playing less games than everyone all year, and then the very last poll of the season decide to use that as a requirement to be number four. I would find that very odd. But I, I'm not totally shut the door. In Cincinnati, although in my head I'm like, why, there's no reason to do it, but there could I could see them doing it. It's just a long shot. But the, the question in reality is, does Ohio State beat Northwestern, or does Northwestern yes. pull a whammy on Ohio State? There, okay, and then Cincinnati is in. There was more. Look, I. I was more confident of Ohio State beating Northwestern than Alabama beating Florida, and you're very confident Alabama would have beat Florida. That's how confident I am that Ohio State <laughs> uh, beats Northwestern. But, Robert, thank you for the call, man. I appreciate it. Let's go to Shaw. Shaw, how are you? Welcome in. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Hey, hey. Uh, no. So, first off, to combat what that guy just said, there's zero chance you see gets in this. They're, they're just not getting in. Secondly, yeah, I was on the Northwestern train earlier in the season, but they have zero shot against Ohio State. Um, if they beat I, Michigan State weeks ago and they're undefeated, is that changing your tone or what? Not really. I thought Ohio State was the best team in the Big Ten from day number one. Okay. I thought Northwestern was the best team in the West, but I, but that's as far as I thought they would go. Um, the team everybody needs to be looking out for is USC. And the only reason I say that is if – if Chalk wins out Saturday, I think the four will be Alabama, Notre Dame, Ohio State, USC. Tomorrow night is the first college football playoff ranking that I've been excited for this season. Well, Shaw, real quick, you said Chalk. Chalk is Clemson winning, which Clemson winning would bring Bama or would no, bring Chalk the- is Notre Dame winning because Notre Dame is ranked ahead of them. But Chalk is Clemson's favorited. I think he's just going off the rankings, though. Well, he can tell. Uh, yeah, us. well, okay. I didn't. I, honestly, I didn't realize Clemson was favored. I'll, I'll be perfectly honest on that. I thought Notre Dame would be favored. Which, which are they saying that Clemson's favored just because Lawrence is back? 
Yeah, well, Clemson was, they were the favorite to beat Notre Dame that game without Trevor Lawrence. Like, if you go back to that week, what was that, week three, whatever it was, whatever that matchup, that early season Mm -hmm. matchup was, Clemson was favored to win. They were favored by, like, 17 or 14, and then, like, it shrunk down to, like, five or seven or five without Trevor. Um, And they're favored by 10 and a half now with Trevor Lawrence and those key defensive guys back. So I still think it's, I wouldn't, I'm not going to take the over on that. So I think that, you know, it's going to be a close game. But, okay, so Chalk, for, so to your point, so Notre Dame beats Clemson, they're officially out of it. You're saying that Ohio State's in with USC in. That's what I think. Is, that's what I think can happen. The problem, the matter is, I still think Clemson's better than Notre Dame. So that kind of disputes my argument, I guess, a little bit. But what my whole thing is, if Notre Dame does beat Clemson, that's how I think it's going to go, and that's why tomorrow night's very interesting because it kind of goes to Kevin's point. USC is going to be flying up. The rankings like a like a rocket. Yeah. Where you where USC's rank tomorrow determines everything. If they're in the top ten, and I don't even think they need to be higher than you than you see, they just need to be in the top ten. There's your avenue right there. I I think, unfortunately, I think it goes back to UCF in 2012. There is zero percent chance that a small school like UCF, UC, any of those schools are ever going to get in the playoff because they just do not respect those conferences enough. As weak as the Big Ten is right now, they still will they still favor Ohio State and those bigger names over any of those small schools. Yeah, and I think that's going to be the thing to, to keep an eye on, too, is, is that, and you're right about USC getting into the top ten. I, t- tomorrow... This is the last ranking that'll come out, Kev, before the for the final one. I guess right. this is the I guess the dress rehearsal one. I guess if you want to call it that. Th- this one always interests me more than the actual final one because they start dropping clues and hints in here. Because what we've seen from the first three weeks is that Ohio State playing a limited schedule, they've been able to overlook that. Will Ohio State still be number four? Yes, Florida losing definitely helps that. Mm-hmm. But they've been very weird with Texas A&M. They've been very weird with letting two lost teams come into the party. Again, I'm not suggesting those teams be in the top four. But, you know, how how tight of a four is Ohio State? Tight, tight, tight. How tight, how locked in is Ohio State at four? That's going to be the big question there. And they could, Cincinnati, Shaw's right, what they do at Cincinnati and USC, we're going to learn a lot about the mindset of the committee tomorrow night at 7 o'clock when they reveal their second-to-last college football playoff ranking. Uh, Because if Cincinnati shoots up, even without playing for three weeks, that right there should worry Ohio State. If Cincinnati stays put, that means Cincinnati's not even on the committee's radar and we're not even going to toy with that idea. Right, like yeah. you would think. But if all of a sudden, and I'm pulling this up now, so Cincinnati right now on the current on the current college football playoff rankings, they actually dropped them back last week to number right. eight for whatever reason. By the way, Iowa State has no damn business being at number seven. Get Iowa State out of here. They have no business being Get there. Georgia out of here too. That's irritating me. Like you would not believe Georgia at least has a win that you can say okay, they're at least they're in love with that win, which is dumb. But forget that. My point is, is get Iowa State out. Florida's going to be out. Get Iowa State out of that conversation. If all of a sudden you see Cincinnati magically spike up to number six and USC at seven, look out for Cincinnati because it's not that Cincinnati's better. Their resume's not better, but they've played more games. They'll also be a conference champion. And the pressure on the committee, always being told that they're a bully, always being told that they don't they don't care about the little guy, that can impact the committee's decision. If there was ever a year that they could put Cincinnati in over Ohio State, it would be this year. 
The reason I say that is because on a normal season, if Ohio State's an undefeated at 12-0 Big Ten champion, for one, they're not even at number four, uh, but you're definitely not putting Cincinnati in over them at that point. But Ohio State's vulnerable because they've played a limited schedule. And I think that that's something to keep in mind when it comes to the Bearcats. I feel like the Bearcats have done too much. They've come too far for the committee just to push them back another spot tomorrow night. I don't know. Yeah, we got Notre Dame Rob on the line. Hey, guys. Rob, how are you, sir? I'm good. How are we doing? Good. So how do you feel about all these people beating up on on your Irish, man? No one giving them any respect. Um, It doesn't matter. Um, You know, clearly Notre Dame has been one of the top four teams in the nation this year. You can't can't put them down for anything. They've won all their games. Uh, You know, they haven't done anything surprising, but still haven't lost. So I like where they're at. We'll see what happens. So what if Florida does beat Alabama? What are they going to do with Alabama? Alabama's not out. I've heard way too many people say, I heard Byers on his show today say if Bama loses, they have no business being in the playoff at that point. They're, they're not dropping from number one to number five. Right. There's no way. Alabama's still in. Florida beating Alabama, I still don't think puts Florida in. I just don't. I, I don't think I right. think Florida, their playoff game, they lost. That's what the four-team play, four playoff makes every yep. week a playoff game. They lost their playoff game this past weekend. Uh, they at least still have a shot to win an SEC title, which means nothing because they're not getting in the playoff. But that's a good point. Uh, Rob, I mean, so let's say Florida does beat Alabama. Alabama's going to drop back. Notre Dame, if they, you know, the winner of Notre Dame-Clemson will be officially the number one team. Uh, right. I could see Ohio State moving up to number two, Alabama uh, at three, and then at number four, it's back to your, you know, the typical teams of USC in that in that conversation. Right. I would I would rather, you know, them doing UC instead of USC. Um, more games. The Pac-10 is very weak. Extremely weak. Yep. Um, you know, also the Big Ten is extremely weak, but they do have one powerhouse. So, I mean, I think even Indiana, well, not Indiana, but uh, even Northwestern should be in ahead of uh, USC. Ooh. Now, USC. That's no, a new one. Northwestern lost that right when they lost to Michigan State. I like, know. That, that's where I'm at with that. But if you know, I would have at least entertained that. Uh, yeah. You know, if they would have beat, if they if they were undefeated, I would entertain that. But not when you lose to Michigan State. Um, with that in mind. It's the Justin Kinder Show with Kev Nash. We'll take more of your calls, reaction to the big weekend in college football. Again, the regular season officially in the books. Conference Championship Saturday coming up this weekend. Ohio State Northwestern. Big Ten title game. Noon kickoff. 10.30. Our local coverage, our network coverage begins here on 1410 Wing AM, but so much on the line as far as college football playoff is concerned. Selection Sunday coming up this weekend. We'll be back in a moment. Hour two of the Justin Kinder Show with Kev Nash next. We are Dayton Soma, the Ohio State. I can't take you nowhere, man. Leangelo Ball was waived by the Detroit Pistons, by the way. Nice. He just signed a contract, a non-guaranteed contract on December 2nd. Look, we figured, we knew a team was going to give him a shot. Yeah. I think that... And this is where, when people say that the Ball family, that they are, you know, that he has, the dad has no idea what he's doing, if it wasn't for his dad being so out there, 
He never would have got a shot with the Pistons. They wouldn't. They weren't just going to take a shot on him because he's the brother of two other NBA guys. Mm-hmm. It's because it's the Ball family. It's because, well, they seem to have pretty good genes, so why not? Let's give this a shot. I'm not saying that, uh, we'll you know, LeVar is spitting out NBA All-Stars, but, uh, I mean, you know, he <laughs> he's spitting out NBA talent, the pro basketball talent, right? Like, I just, maybe there was a, that, I, I wasn't I, even I, trying to be funny there. I wasn't I, even I, trying I, to be funny there, but that was a horrible use of a uh, analogy, but it works, it fits, it's funny. It's juvenile, but, you know, it, <laughs> I apologize, you know, it is what it is. Oh, man, I made it funny and wasn't even trying to be funny, and I'm usually not even funny. So the Browns are in action tonight. We're going to get into the Browns conversation here in a moment, Kev. Just be stewing on this, thinking about this. Mm-hmm. Tonight, Browns-Ravens, Lamar Jackson, the Ravens, but Baker Mayfield, the Cleveland Browns. Browns 9-3, second place in that division. The, the Ravens come in. They were the team that everyone, like the Steelers, you know, being 11-0 and at one point, like, were the surprise, not, not the surprise, but kind of, they were a little bit of a shock. I don't know what was more surprising, the down year that the Ravens are having or the undefeated hot 11-0 and start to the season for the Steelers. Mm. You know, and then there's the Browns right there in the middle who we want to pretend to be surprised by, but... I think last year what we learned from fans was is that you were expected to be this last year. You were expected to be good. Like, the reason right. I feel like this year it's exciting but we're not, like, you know, we're confident is because this is what the Browns team was supposed to be doing. You were built to do this. They built this offensive line for you to run. You have the running backs to do it. You got Baker Mayfield, the wide receivers, and the weapons. You're expected to do it. So the Browns really aren't a surprise team. It's exciting and it's new and it's fun, but this shouldn't be surprising because this is what they are supposed to be doing. The Ravens are not supposed to be doing what they're doing. The Steelers aren't supposed to be doing what they're doing. They've kind of leveled out a little bit. Of course, you know, the season taking its toll. When you look at the Browns, you look at the Ravens tonight, which team is this a bigger game for? Be thinking about that. I want to get back to the phones. Uh, who we have? We got Chris. Chris, thanks for holding, my friend. How are you? I'm all right. How are you guys doing? Good. Good. What you got all for right. us? Well, I, I do want to hit one thing on the Browns, but I want to leave that till the end. But okay, that's fair. That'll be a good okay. transition, so that's perfect. Right. Okay. You're helping so, me the, out. Good job. The, the, the Buckeyes and stuff, I'm a total homer. I'm not going to deny that. But if they don't get into the playoffs, I can't be mad because they don't have the depth of the resume. But what I'm wondering is, is how much this season's hurting college football in general? Because, like, what about recruiting? Like, hey, I could go to a Big Ten school or I could go to an SEC school. SEC plays all their days. Uh, Big Ten's not. You know, and they had a grand opportunity. They always set schedules. What is it, two or three years in advance for college football? Yeah. Well, they yeah, say that, so, but we learned this year. It's funny how when uh, when when programs panic, it's kind of funny how at a snap of a finger, all we heard from Ohio State was is that man, if they if the Big Ten would have let us schedule a game this weekend, we would have done it. So they they've kind of backed themselves into a, a you know corner a little bit. Well, if it's that simple, then you should be able to do it in other seasons well, too. But I see your point. Uh, I, but what I'm saying is they missed a grand opportunity. Imagine all of the interconference games you could have had, matchups that we will never see except in playoffs. That could have happened in, you know what I mean, like in Ohio State, Texas A&M, when they both didn't have a team to play. Or, you know, any other scenario that could have come in. Even in that point when when conferences were saying, hey, we don't know if we're going to have games or not, you know, because of this. Like, why didn't you, like, pair up? Like, hey, ACC, SEC, we're going to kind of, like, balance each other off. Like, you know, go together. Big, uh, Big 12 and Big 10 could have done that. And it could have made a more dynamic season. Like, it could have made for a phenomenal season. Like, I know because of money talks and everything else and stuff. I'll give you two reasons, Chris. Like you just said, egos and and money. money. 
Those, yep. those are the reasons why, because best believe everybody that runs a Big Ten school thinks they're better than people in the SEC and vice versa. All these conference guys, all these guys in charge of their conferences think they're better than them. You know, like they down south, you know what I'm saying, in the SEC, quote unquote, means more. And, you know, up here in the Midwest, we look down on them because our man, they're risking their young athletes' lives. We got to make sure we're doing the right thing for our student athletes. Like it's, it's total chaos. They couldn't even come up with a schedule to agree to something to have a football season. There's no way that these guys will be able to agree to like, all right, let's just like let's do a, a ACC Big Ten challenge like they do in basketball. It's too right. valuable. Wins and losses are too valuable in college football for that. Well, and not only that, but like, is, isn't it like kind of coincidental that college and basketball can be included in this? Guilty by association goes a long way. If you're in a conference with only one good team, you're considered bad. But if you're in the SEC you're automatically going to get a better bump because of the teams you play against. So, and guilty by association happens with that. Like, everybody looks down, and it's like specifically like in SEC country and things like that. They don't look at Ohio State or as other teams on their level because of the conference they play. And we do that as well, even in Big Ten. We look at it like, oh, well, Cincinnati shouldn't be a part of this conversation because they don't play the type of uh, conference we do. Yeah, and you know, the other thing I liked about this year that was kind of fun was watching BYU and Coastal Carolina put that game together at the you know drop of a hat. What I would love to see more of moving forward, which I know we won't, sometimes I feel like teams should kind of leave some open dates throughout the year to kind of gauge the strength of not only their non-conference schedule, but their conference schedule. Because we always talk about it all the time is, I, I don't believe Alabama, when people rip who they play in the non-conference, I'm like, look, when you play in the SEC, I don't believe you really need to challenge yourself in the non-con outside of the fact that maybe you can reward your fans with a you know a big matchup in the non-con here and there but it's not like you know as uh, alabama fans go without a big matchup every year i feel bad for buckeye fans who the big 10 the gap i'm not saying there's not good teams in the big 10 but there's not ohio state level teams in the big 10 if ohio state doesn't play a good non-conference we as buckeye fans we don't even get a good matchup throughout the conference season because ohio state's so much better alabama at least gets those lsu's they get those georgias they get those florida matchups they you know so the fans get that i wish Dates would be left open late in the year. Teams can kind of gauge where they're at as far as perception in the playoff. Hey, we actually could just put an easy team on the schedule in two weeks because we're fine for our playoff. Or, hey, we're really being impacted by these polls coming out by our lack of strength of schedule. Let's try to get, you know, a tougher opponent on there. It won't happen. You need to plan out your schedule, season ticket holders, all that. But that was kind of cool seeing that this year. Agreed, like a wild card weekend almost. Yeah, bracket you buster. Know I mean? You know, we've yeah. talked about that, like bracket busters a little bit. Right. But well, let's transition yeah. to the Browns. We only have a few I, more moments. I, I was going to go that. So, all right, total Browns move, right? Like, we're doing well and everything like that. We even, even if certain cards fall, we have an opportunity to go for the um, the division. For the, for the division, it's yeah. It's crazy, but yeah. But we're, in the NFC East, we're probably going to have a team that loses, that has a losing record to win the division, Correct. Yes. Wouldn't it be the total Browns thing to do on no OTAs or anything else but to make it to the Super Bowl and lose to a team that had a losing record? (laughs) (laughs) That's the total Browns thing to do. Like, hey, we're going to go on this run. We're going to tear everybody apart and make it to the Super Bowl and then lose to like a 6-10 and team. Or just to get to a Super Bowl in a year where you know they can't pack it with Browns fans and uh, really, right. t- you know, that's who, you know the Reds. My teams have all had success this year that haven't been able to get the true experience with the fans, like well, the Reds and, and you know the Reds getting to the playoff and everything like that. That sucked that you couldn't have fans there, which there was nothing to see. 
So there's that. <laughs> uh, but no, Chris, thank you uh, for the call. I appreciate that. Uh, but tonight we have the Browns and we have the Ravens. Two teams come into this matchup. Like I thought, like this is strange, folks. Like the Browns aren't coming in. I mean, they're coming in desperate for a win because every team's desperate for a win this time of year. But Cleveland's coming in hot. They're coming in confident. They're not the ones coming in hobbled. The Ravens are coming in a little beat up. I don't just mean physically. I just mean like on their schedule. They're seven and five. Like if anything, I would have thought that the Ravens would have been nine and three with a seven and five Browns team coming in. That's what I would have assumed, mm-hmm. you know, weeks ago. The Browns are nine and three. They're welcoming in a seven and five Ravens team who was projected to, you know, only, you know, possibly be fourteen and two, thirteen and three, win the division, best defense in football, the MVP in Lamar Jackson. I never would have anticipated this type of matchup, especially after what we saw in Week One. So I ask you this: as we head into the final couple weeks of the season. Who is more desperate for a win tonight? Which game is this bigger for? Is it for the Browns or the Ravens? I'm going to tell you right now, it's not who you think. We'll get to that when we come back. 457-9464. Let's have that discussion with you, the callers. Browns or Ravens, who is this game bigger for tonight? We'll be back in a moment. Everybody, we welcome you back. Justin Kenner, Kev Nash with you here on Dayton's ESPN radio station, 1410 Wing AM. The Browns and the Ravens tonight, and I can't tell you how excited I am for this because a few weeks ago, I was, I'm not going to lie, even when the Browns were in the midst of what they've won a lot of games this year, by the way, they're really like, there has not been that Browns stretch where you feel like this team has just been bad this year. I mean, the sad thing is, is this is how much they've improved, Kev. There has been stretches throughout the season where I'm like, oh man, this team's not very good. After wins, <laughs> you know, after they lost to the Raiders, I didn't feel good about how they looked against the Texans. You know, uh, you, you, there was just a lot of games where I looked at them. I'm like, I don't really like how this team looks. Remember, I mean, I was all about trading Baker Mayfield for for Matt Ryan, um, which, by the way, people act like I'm a hypocrite that I, I, you know, oh, I bet he forgets that he said that. No, I, I don't. The thing is that we always forget. Like, I think we need to realize this, especially, you know, big picture with the pandemic. I'm not going to get into a tangent here, but like people keep forgetting. I saw you tweet this out. Opinions change in per- as you know. Opinions and perception changes as information changes, mm-hmm. and a lot of what we do is our opinions and our reaction is based on a lot of times what we just saw this past weekend, what we've seen the last two weekends, right. and it is very you know. Sometimes we overreact to things, or sometimes we you know underreact to things. We sweep things under the rug. The bottom line is, as more information comes in, as more games are played, as more throws are are attempted and completed, and touchdowns are thrown and no interceptions, the more things, more information we get the more my opinion changes, not just with this little situation, isolated situation with the, with the Cleveland Brown, but in anything. Yeah. Like with the coronavirus. I love when I hear people say, oh, remember when Mike DeWine back in April said this? Yeah, you that, you mean it's December. Yeah, he said that back in April. <laughs> we were very, you know, we were only a couple months into knowing, having information about a, a disease that we had no clue anything about, and we still don't know everything about it, but it's called evolving. It's called getting more information. So, yes, weeks ago, Kev, you thought I was crazy, that I was <laughs> sitting there saying the Browns need to move on from, from Baker Mayfield, or not maybe move on from him, but at least trade for Matt Ryan, get Matt Ryan in, and you know do whatever with Baker. Do See that uh, interception, Matty Ice, too. Yeah. <laughs> so I was panicking because... 
at the time, I'm like, man, they have too much talent. I feel like the Browns have invested too much to over-invest into time given to Baker to figure it out because I wasn't confident he was going to figure it out. And then all of a sudden, the things that we saw from his rookie season started re-emerging into not just his game, but to the Browns game as well. And that's why my tune has changed. I'm not a flip-flopper or a hypocrite. The thing is, I think more of you need to do what I did and is, hey, when your opinion is when he's playing bad, like for all of you out there, who did nothing but rip Baker when he played bad? I've yet to hear any of you come out and say, "Yeah, he's actually pretty good." We, you know, maybe we were wrong about him. I did that with Joe Burrow. I didn't think Joe Burrow was going to have success with the Cincinnati Bengals. Now he did not have success from a win-loss standpoint, but I was willing to admit, okay, um, the kid's for real. The reason he's for real, and the reason guys like Deshaun Watson are for real, is because on bad teams they're still able to step up and, and have numbers. Baker, you can argue is the opposite of that, where Baker needs everything to be absolutely perfect for him to succeed, and that's fine. We can argue in the future as far as when things aren't perfect how good of a quarterback is Baker Mayfield, but that's later because Mm -hmm. right now things are good. The offensive line is great. The running game is great. The receivers are fantastic. All right, They drop a lot of passes, too. Like Baker overthrows guys, but the Browns receivers... They drop a lot of passes, too. But I'm not trying to get into the excuses aspect of this. I'm just saying... We all need to adapt with our opinions on things because things change on a week-to-week basis. You know, um, if I, you know, Baker Mayfield had a good game last week. If he has a, and I, and I was giving him praise. If he has a bad game tonight, I'm going to say, see, this is where the growth needs to continue for Baker right. Mayfield. He doesn't have it yet. People are like, oh, you're flip-flopping. No, it's called the latest game. The latest performance is what we're basing our evaluation off of. And the one thing I've been so impressed with Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns on is the fact that they were, they've were they been able to learn lessons while winning. We're going to talk college basketball later. You know, a lot of people, uh, you know, people think I'm very critical of UD and all that stuff. You know, from a college basketball perspective, that's a program that's 3-1 and one right now. And yet they're not as sexy as they were a year ago and people are losing their minds. And I'm like, <laughs> folks, relax. And this is coming from me, who's always looking for something to complain about. Like, this team's not going to be as sexy a year ago, but they're learning lessons along the way. I saw a cool clip of Anthony Grant addressing his team after their win over Mississippi State this past weekend. He said, you guys grew up today. You know, I, you guys, you guys, I watched you as a team grow up today in double overtime because keep in mind, even going back to last year's number three team in the country, their only losses came in overtime. They couldn't win overtime games. Uh, they lost a close game to SMU. My point is, is that the, the Flyers are fortunate because they've been able to take bumps. They've been able to hit roadblocks and still come away with wins. And that's what the Browns are doing this year. They've hit roadblocks. They've, they've had multiple games where they've only scored 10 points or 14 points, and they've come away with wins. And that's with the bad defense. That's with the quarterback who's very limited. They can only let him throw it 20 times for the, you know, so they can limit his turnovers. But the last couple of weeks, they've really put it together. The, he looks, the, the offense looks more complete now. It's not just so run dominant. Now it's complemented with a very good pass game. That's what I mean by adjusting with the weeks, adjusting with the games. And now where we are at with this Cleveland Browns team is they're pretty damn good. Now they can flop tonight, and we'll be right back at the drawing board again tomorrow. But I feel like the Browns have finally figured it out. Keyshawn uh, Johnson from Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the morning show here, um, had a you know he had a sit-down interview with Baker Mayfield. It's really cool. They aired some of it on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin this morning. In fact, the whole interview will be aired tonight on on uh, you know football tonight coming up before Monday Night Football. But take a listen. Keyshawn Johnson and Baker Mayfield discussed the number one thing that has led to the Browns turning it around from one year to the next. Take a listen. You are one game away from a 10-win season, something that the Browns, as you know, hadn't done since 2007. 
What has changed? It's a co- and here's our identity. Here's what we're going to be about. And they haven't wavered from that. No, they have not. And uh, I want to give Baker credit here because it's one thing to say, well, the coach has not wavered from that. But players don't always buy into a coach's mm-hmm. view. Zach Taylor in Cincinnati is as this like, oh, I'm a, I'm the man of this team. I'm going to run this team. Oh, I'm going to punish, uh, you know, I'm going to punish our veterans who have been here a long time. I mean, look what he did this past weekend. You have a veteran running back in in, in Bernard, and then, you know he fumbles it, and then you set him. He hadn't had a fumble in over 300 plus carries, and you you bench him to prove a point. Like you have to know your locker room, you have to know your roster, and he ended up losing the locker room because of that. On top of the other bad decisions he's made, he's a horrible coach. He's won four games in 29 games. He's horrible. But the point is, is Coaches come in thinking that they're going to do this whole man. I'm going to be a great coach. I'm going to. I'm not going to tolerate turnovers. I'm going to bench you if you turn it over. I'm going to use. You know, I'm going to make an example out of you. If you give me attitude, I'm not going to play you. Yes, you should not tolerate some of those things, but you also got to know the room a little bit. Mm-hmm. And not all players always accept the coach trying to come in to be the adult in the room. Got to give credit to Baker Mayfield. Who it's one thing for Stefanski to come in and say I got to change this culture. It's another to have the players who are willing to accept that. Baker Mayfield has been a high volume thrower at every level that he has played at in high school, in college. He won a Heisman because he he was a gunslinger, right? He's not a gunslinger anymore. He's a game manager, and he's kind of each week evolved a little bit. But I don't think Baker gets enough credit for being the guy. We talk about this at basketball all the time. A lot of times basketball players struggle accepting their their um, side role in basketball after, you know, in high school, they're the star. Right. They're the guy. Everyone is there to see them. But they get to Division One college basketball, and now they're coming off the bench, and they're just a little role player. They're coming in to have spit minutes here and there. You know what I mean? So and some athletes don't respond well to that. And Baker didn't have to respond well to that. He could have had an attitude. And he didn't. And that he's not getting enough credit for accepting the culture change and accepting the game plan change, Kev. Because he could have said, you know, I'm Baker May. I was the number one overall pick. I won the Heisman at Oklahoma. I, you know, I've been talking all this smack for years. Who are you to tell me? Good for him for being able to accept it. Because not only is he accepting it, it has led to him excelling out on the field. And uh, it's really silenced a lot of hate. Now, the people who continue to hate, that's just because they enjoy hating. But it's <laughs> what's made this fun is because Baker's getting better each week. He's evolving. And he's doing it and learning while winning. There's, there's court like Joe Burrow had to learn in the only couple of weeks of the season that he was able to play in. He had to learn while playing and while losing. It's a lot better when you're winning games while also learning about yourself and your team and evolving at the same time. I like what the Browns have done. I like what Baker Mayfield has done. They deserve the attention that they are getting heading into tonight, and I don't think it's for the wrong reasons. They're not talking themselves up. You know, Baker's not giving you know bulletin board material to the media and to the to the Ravens. He's he's likable right now. If you hate him, you hate him. You're not going to like him. But he is coming across likable. He learned his lesson from when they had success his rookie year, and he went into the offseason chirping, and he didn't work hard in the offseason. He thought that he was just going to pick up where he left off and automatically be better because he had OBJ and Jarvis and these guys, and he found out how hard it was. I think he was humbled, and to me that speaks volumes about how he has learned from everything that he went through last season. That shows growth, and that's another reason why this team has taken that next step into not just winning games, but now being a contender. They're right in the mix of things here to win this division, which is crazy to talk about. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. Like, it's all about growth for Baker, but I also want to give a lot of props to the GM, Andrew Barry. Mm-hmm. You think about John Dorsey now. John Dorsey put a lot of these pieces on this team, but John Dorsey himself was a out-there guy. He, I won't say braggadocious, but he was a personality. You know, he was one of the few GMs that people actually knew who he was. He helped construct the... Kansas City Chiefs, 
you know. So he, he was a his, part of the yeah. original group that brought in Baker. In yeah, yeah. Too. So his fingerprints are not only on the Browns, but the Kansas City Chiefs as well. But when they made that switch to Andrew Barry, uh, you know, I've only heard Andrew Barry speak twice. So from everything that I've seen from the two times I heard him speak, he's a reserved type of guy and, you know, let his actions speak louder than his words. And the same thing for Coach Fancy. You used to look at Freddie Kitchens. He was a character. He was out there, you know, uh, the, what he had the, the shirt last year that uh, the fans gave him and they, someone saw him out at the movie theater and said kick the Steelers butts or something like that. Something that else. He was a character. You know what I'm saying? Not only a football coach but a character. There's no character in Coach Stefanski. This is all work. This is business. This is a business. This is a grind. This is a football team. And so when you have leadership like that leading in that manner your team falls in that line. Like before like you know, all the, the commercials and everything that Baker was doing, people griped about it. But guess what? You're winning games. You don't hear people griping about him being on progressive commercials all the time. You don't. Hulu has live sports. <laughs> but no one's making any. Nobody's complaining because they're winning games. Like the things like that I talked about with OBJ and the changing the shoes when OBJ was playing. And he was playing well, by the way. There, there was none of that because this culture was set. From the GM to the coach. And that's what I talk about. Organizations win championships. It's not just because of the players. It's not just because of the coaches. It's the whole organization. You got to be lock and step to make change and to win championships. I mean, you were talking about it in the offseason saying you got an adult for a head coach. That was my next point. Thank you. Yeah. So, Freddie Kitchens versus Stefanski, it's night and day. It's night and day. Yeah, and that that was my biggest thing was, okay, we know the talent's there. Um, and we're learning with Tampa right now, a team that has the talent that, you know, it sounds like it's a culture problem. The coach is not the, the coach does not have control. Freddie Kitchens did not have control last year. Stefanski has control, and that speaks volumes about why this team and organization has been able to take that next step forward. Now, all of that can be washed away tonight if they get embarrassed on Monday Night Football. Now, I say that. It's not going to take away the success they've had to this point. If they lose tonight, they're still a 9-4 and four football team. They're still second place in the AFC North, and they're still within a couple games with a month to go, you know, competing for this division, and they're still well on their way to the playoff. Now, I asked the question about which team is this a bigger deal for tonight. Mm-hmm. I think that this game, as strange as this sounds, it's a big game for the Browns. Baker Mayfield is facing a lot of pressure. You know, um, but the problem is we keep moving the goalposts for him. Like, for instance, Chris Shope on Facebook says, let's see how Mayfield does tonight, and then we'll decide how good he is. We were saying the same thing last week. We were, You know what I mean? Like, we were saying the same thing the week before, even though it was the Jaguars. It's always the, yeah, well, let's see how he does this week. Then we can have that conversation. Then he, you know, leads the team to another win. Then it's like, okay, but he has the Titans coming up. If he beats them, then then we can have that conversation. They beat the Titans. Yeah, but they don't have a pass rush. If they beat the Ravens tonight, when they beat the Ravens tonight, what you're going to tell me is, oh, he beat a 7-16. and and then they got the Giants and the Jets the next couple of weeks, so those won't be credible wins. And then if they do beat the Steelers and ultimately end up winning the AFC North, Kev, you know what it's going to be? Ah, oh, well, you know the Steelers—they imploded late in the year. You know their de- you know defense got banged up. You know the, the Baker's just lucky. Stop. Good teams beat the teams they're supposed to, and the Browns have beat the teams that they're supposed to. They lost to the Raiders. You're going to have a it's a 16 game, three month season. COVID's impact and everything. It is what it is. Bottom line is the Browns are nine and three. So when you ask me who faces more pressure in tonight's game, Kev, I think it's the Ravens. 
the Ravens came into the season with many people projecting them being a 13 to 14 win team. They were going to run away with this division. It was talked about that it was going to come down between the Browns and the Steelers for the wild card spot in the AFC, and that you know that it was the Ravens' division, no questions asked, and rightfully so, by the way. Mm-hmm. On paper, one of the most impressive defenses in the National Football League. Lamar Jackson won, winning an MVP in only his second season, technically his first full season as a starter. Um, the sky's the limit, right? You're only going to continue to get better. He's regressed. The offense has regressed. The defense isn't as potent as we thought it was going to be. This Ravens team is not as strong as we thought. They're 7-5. and five. They're third place in the division. And when you look at right now, you look at the, the playoff standings, they're not a lock to make it. Right. In fact, they lose tonight. It's a very slim chance that they even make the playoffs. They possibly don't make the playoffs if they lose tonight. I mean, right now, Baltimore at 7-5, and five, they got teams like the Dolphins and Colts and, and Ravens. There's a lot of 9-10 win teams ahead of them. Right. And that's why I think tonight it's a it's a the Browns lose. They're nine and four. They're still second in the division. They're still within striking distance of the division. I think this is a must win game more so for the Ravens. That's why I'm laughing that we're all putting this. I mean, all eyes are on Baker. All eyes are on the Browns. I think all eyes need to be on the MVP quarterback and Lamar Jackson, who's regressed this season. The team's regressed. I think it's a big time pressure game for both, which is why this is so fun. Because no matter who loses tonight. We're going to be talking badly about that person. Oh, Lamar, man, what's going on? He's he's regressed. He's taken a step back. Or he gets the win. It's a big win for Baltimore. Oh, Baker can't win in primetime. Hell, Bengals, Bengals fans can relate. Remember the primetime woes that the Bengals had? The, there's going to be a fun narrative moving forward out of this. And if the Browns win tonight, look out. Because the Steelers-Browns race to the finish line. I thought that was a long shot. A few weeks ago, I thought I was just trying to do it to annoy Kev, <laughs> and now it's actually coming to fruition, and it looks like Kinder knows what the hell he's talking about, and it's always a good day when Kinder <laughs> looks like he knows what he's talking about. Oh, Lord. Uh, no, the Browns and the Ravens game is epic tonight. It's the game of the week. Um, it's the one that everybody's talking about, everyone, everyone's been talking about all weekend long. I, The pressure's on the Ravens for this simple fact. They're sitting at eight, and guess what eight is out of the playoffs. So they're not even in the playoffs as the playoffs started today. So this game is more pressure on the Ravens. The pressure is also on the Browns, yeah, because, you know, they haven't been in this position in a long time. And, all that's great. That's a storyline, everything like that. But the fact is the Ravens are out of the playoffs right now. If they win this game, they stay in the playoff race. If they don't, they're probably not going to make the playoffs. So the pressure is all on the Ravens. Well, we agree. We agree. All right. Well, that open don't up, happen too long. No. Yeah, we'll open up the phone lines. 457-9464. Browns or Ravens? Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield. Who's facing the most pressure heading into tonight's Monday Night Football matchup? I know the narrative is that it's the Browns, but honestly, I know people have a hard time grasping this. But the Browns, they're 9-3. and They're actually in control of their season right now. They're, they lose tonight. How crazy is that that they lose tonight, and I'm still not fearing that they miss the playoffs. Like, they, they, they're still a good team. The Ravens, I believe, are a good team deep down. They're just not playing their best football right now. Someone said a little bit ago that the Ravens' woes are because Lamar Jackson's missed a lot of games. Folks, he's played in 11 of their 12 games. Lamar Jackson has played in 11 of the team's 12. The one he missed was because of COVID. Fortunately for the Ravens, when he had COVID, that was during a bye week, so they weren't. They only had to miss him for one game. He's a difference maker, but it looks like the league has caught up with him, or he doesn't have the weapons for his talent to be able to truly flourish. Uh, let's go to Facebook. Um, Eric Pugh on Facebook. Eric, I hope I said your last name right. 
He says they look good, but be real for a minute. They beat the Titans and have been blown out in games against top-tier teams. The Bengals beat the Titans. The Bengals are like the worst team ever. Uh, <laughs> Eric, no, no, no. Look, I'm not going to be that homer guy that's going to pretend that that's not the narrative. I say this all the time. Like, if you're going to be a Cincinnati Bearcat fan, say, well, we're 8-0. We're about to win a conference championship. We should be in the playoffs. If you're a Bearcat fan, you need to be realistic of where you fall and the ex- you know the expectations of the you know the totem pole of the you know dominance of the college football playoff teams, right? So I have to do the same thing with the Browns. They have not beat many good teams. They have two uh, two wins against really good teams in the Colts and the Titans. And by the way, the Bengals thing, the transitive property with that, I'm not going to buy into that necessarily. The Bengals are bad. The Bengals got a good win over the Titans. The Titans are vulnerable with their defense. That's what allowed them to be you know, beat by the Bengals. But the Bengals never really built on that. And had the Bengals built on that and then continued to get better, I would have said, oh, that's a good win for the Bengals. That was just a good upset win for them. I don't truly believe that if they played five more times that the Bengals would get one win in that, assuming Bay- uh, Burrow's healthy. But I'm with you. I, I think that that's why this game is very important as well for the Browns. I think it's more important for the playoff picture for the Ravens, but it's very important because you have guys like Eric and Sh- and not Shaw. Shaw did say that he uh, he changed his tone on that. I'll give him a shout out. Ron Ron's still saying they should be nine and three cupcake schedule. Yada yada. So point is that narrative's not going anywhere. Oh, the Browns. They play nobody. They play the NFC East. Well, the Steelers that we're saying are somebody. They just lost to Washington. The Browns beat Washington. The Browns, they beat the Cowboys. Okay, they, they beat the teams they're supposed to. They got the Giants coming up around the corner. They're looking to sweep the NFC East. Good teams like the Steelers and Ravens, they, they haven't been able to fortunately do that. So, again, it's a very important game tonight. I'm pumped for it. It's not often that I'm excited for a Browns game this late in the season. Kevin. How about that? How about that? 457-946 for your calls, your reaction next. Baltimore Ravens, a three-point favorite tonight. Again, the uh, the Cleveland Browns welcome in the Baltimore Ravens. Nine and three Browns. And the reason this game really picked up, I mean, even more importance for the Browns is mainly because of the fact that the Steelers are on a little two-game losing streak. And the reason that's significant is they went from undefeated uh, a week ago to now all of a sudden uh, a game and a half ahead of the Cleveland Browns. And a win tonight for the Browns would put them a game, uh, you know, within a game. And that includes matchups. Against a bad Giants team who's played better, to yeah. be fair. Not going to, you know, you know, act like they haven't played, but they have. They played better. But they had a bad loss this past weekend. They look like, you know, whatever. I, who knows what you get with the Giants. Their defense, uh, that's what really allows them to hang around a game. Same thing with Washington. But the Browns have the Giants coming up. They have the Jets coming up and the Steelers. Yep. You get past this Ravens team tonight, you're 10-3. and three. Remember, I predicted 12 wins. They might have. They might finish with twelve wins exactly, Kev. Yeah. Because I could see them if they win tonight. They could. They should. You know, it would be so Browns to freaking lose to the or to to beat the Ravens and end up losing to the Jets and giving them their first win of the season. That would be so clean. I hear that a lot. What was that caller a little bit ago that said it would be so Cleveland if they did this? I hear people all the time say it would be so Cleveland if this. It would be so Cleveland to beat the Ravens, have all the momentum going, beat the Giants next week, be at 11 wins uh, within a game of the division, and then lose to the Jets, and then lose to the Steelers to close it out. But I project they win tonight, they beat the the Giants and the Jets, and then at that point, I say hopefully, at least for your side, the Steelers kind of get healthier a little bit, you know, more so over the next couple of weeks. But how 
crazy would that be to head into that final week, the Browns and the Steelers, for the AFC North title? That would be nuts. It'd be um, that would be for, fun. It would be great for TV. It would be great for the NFL. It would be great for all the fans out there. But thank goodness for all us Pittsburgh Steelers fans out there, we got the Bengals coming up this week. That's uh, <laughs> Oh, man, that's a sight for sore eyes right there. And no Joe Burrow. So no. No, it, even with Joe Burrow, you'd have been fine. Yeah, we were going to win that game. Uh, probably even if Joe Burrow was there, but now there's no Joe Burrow. There's no hope for the Bengals. So hopefully we can get back onto the winning side of things this week versus Cincinnati. Then a uh, tough game versus the Colts, and then definitely a tough game in the last week of the season versus the Cleveland Browns. So you know it's going down to the wire. Uh, Eric Pugh on Facebook says, uh, you called the Washington game, though. Yeah, that was back during Thanksgiving. I remember I started going down the list of the build-up <laughs> to this Browns-Ravens game and the, in the you know, race to the finish line um, when the Steelers had started to show some, show some vulnerability a little bit. And it really started that week against Dallas, you know, when it literally took every ounce of energy to push off the Dallas Cowboys. That would have been a devastating loss for the Steelers. They were able to somehow miraculously come back and win that. Um, but they just haven't looked the same since then. They've just looked weaker and weaker each year. They've or we, Each week they've looked more vulnerable. But I called I called the Steelers, uh, you know, losing to Washington a few weeks ago um, is what it ends up happening again. But you don't project that injuries are going to be why that ends up leading to happen. But Pittsburgh's just not playing good football right now. The one thing that's interesting, how about this stat for your Steelers and for and Ben Roethlisberger, Kev? When Big Ben throughout his career, Colin Cowherd put this out. I stole it from him. I'm just being very honest. I, you know, to act like I do my own homework is just ridiculous. Um, but Colin Cowherd uh, spit out these stats earlier today. I thought it was interesting. When Ben Roethlisberger throughout his career, when he throws the ball 35 plus times, he has a record of 51, 48, and one. Mm-hmm. That's about 500. But it's 500. It's right at 500. It's amazing when he has games where he throws less than 35 times a game. He is 104 and 24 in games when he throws less than 20, less than 35 times in a game. When he throws less than 35 times in a game, he literally has. I mean, that's crazy to me. That when and the reason he was bringing this up, Colin was, and you start looking and diving deeper into the numbers, he has thrown more passes than any quarterback in the NFL this year. Right. They have no run game. Right. That's one reason why. But any time that they have become Big Ben dependent. This is what gives me hope about Baker, is Big Ben is actually the quarterback you look at and say, hey, that model right there is what Baker is going to have to be to be successful. He's never going to be the guy that's going to lead the league in pass attempts. He never should. He's going to have to throw a decent amount of passes, but he needs to be hovering around that 30 pass attempt range the way Big Ben does. Big Ben, when the Steelers lean on Big Ben, the numbers show they're not as good. They don't win as many games. They're more vulnerable to lose. This season, despite starting the season 11-0, They've been vulnerable in a lot of weeks, and it's come down to that. And I think a lot of that, it's not fair to put Big Ben to use this sample size of games to compare to his career. He's an older quarterback right Right. now. But that's on the Steelers for being stubborn when it comes to the run game because I know even if you had your guy, Connor, back the whole time, they've had Connor the last two years. They've been ranked 29th and 29th in the NFL in total rushing those last couple years. He's not it. I know that the Steelers take pride in the Steeler way, but pride is why the Patriots are stubbing themselves in the toe. I think sometimes you do got to look at yourself and say, okay, we need to be thinking outside the box a little bit. I know the Steeler way works more times than not, but you've left some potential titles on the line the last couple of years by not committing to going out to get that running back, which it's easy to get running backs in the NFL. It really is. Like, I'm surprised, I mean, you know. I mean, Connors are drafted running back, and that's what they do. But out that Big Ben stat about over 30 passes, I th- 
I would like to see that compared to another quarterback as well. I can't. You, I don't think you can say to throw out arbitrary stats and say, well, this stat tells this story about this quarterback. Well, give me an example of somebody else that throws that many times and has a winning well, record. You're the Steelers. Who cares about other people? I know, but I'm just saying. But if you're saying like if they're not as good as other teams because they're passing a ball this much, or this player isn't as good as another player because they're passing this much. Give me the example of, a, let's just say, Drew Brees. He's freaking uh, 75 and 10 when he throws over 35 passes a game. There's nothing else to go off of. You just give me one person and say, like, this is what happens when this player does this. Well, give me something else, another player, what their achievements are when they do something, do that same stat. So I don't I don't know what to make of that stat because there's nothing to go off of. It's just, all right, this is what happens when he does it. Well, what happens when Tom Brady does it? What happens when Aaron Rodgers does it? I don't, so that's what I would need to know to even say anything about the stat. I, but I don't know. Not ever, no team is set up the same, so I disagree with you. Who cares about what Drew Brees does? And by the way, I would I think if I had to guess, Drew Brees throwing a lot usually results in a lot of good things for that team. That's a pa- that they're known as a passing team. What I mean is I'm not saying Big Ben's not a passing quarterback. I just think that they, the Steelers have always been known as that well balanced. You could think you think of them, you think of their strong run game with the balanced passing game. That's who they are. I don't think of Big Ben as this, you know, this uh, Patrick Mahomes type. You know, Patrick Mahomes is going to gun slay. He's going to throw it a lot. Mm-hmm. Brett Favre back in the day throws it a lot. You know, these quarterbacks. You know, Tom Brady. I bet you he would be one that's similar, where his record is is 500 or above, no matter what. But I guarantee you, his games of probably more managing the game and not trying to be airing it out. I bet his record is very similar to Big Ben's. They're very similar. Yeah, as far as that. I, Capable I, of it when needed to, but you don't want to rely on them to be that. And the numbers show, I know you're all about looking at other quarterbacks, but you talk about the Steeler way. There is only one Steeler way. And the numbers show, hey, that he has won 50-plus more games when they do it this way versus being closer to 500 when they do it that way. And that's, but, you know. I guess. I, I just, you can't, I can't guess. Those are the facts. Those no, are no, no, numbers. I'm just saying, like, I'm bringing it, it to you it's it's arbit- off the press. That, that's an arbitrary stat. That's like saying... That's all, not, it's always arbitrary when it doesn't fit what you want to no, hear. No, it's not. It, it is. is. Big it is. Maybe I he's don't not know what You can't rely on him to throw. He's not as good. The team's not as good when you have to rely on him to throw. You know what happened you know, last oh, time? You know, it sounds like, like the right? Cleveland Browns. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sounds like the Steeler way has been the Browns way all this time. Interesting. Oh, really? Uh, who would have thought that the Steelers were were trying to be the Cleveland Browns this entire time? Is that what we're trying? Oh to do? man, I feel I, bad for you. I really I would, do. I just would love to see somebody else stats with that number, like to say, like, okay, yeah, you're right. These, these what you're saying is backing it up from everything else. I just can't go off of just that one person. I just can't. But like that, it, I don't believe there's any correlation there. If another quarterback, if Drew Brees throws the ball 35 plus more times a game and his record's different, that's because that's but that the offense is fit to be you know to him. Big Ben and him are completely different quarterbacks. Tom Brady, different quarter. Every offense, every quarterback's going to be different from one way or another. Like you know, I'm just saying like um, Joe Burrow had to throw for a lot of yards to lose games. <laughs> I'm just saying, maybe maybe there was too much Joe Burrow. <laughs> Maybe he's white. I can't I, even. I definitely doubt that. <laughs> uh, not enough Joey B. Yeah, he's something not wrong with him, by the way. Not enough he, protection for Joey B either. He was quoted about his time with the you know the Bengals. He loves Cincinnati still somehow, and he feels he could win Super Bowls here. You know, Joe, it's one thing for you to come out and say, I still like it here. I think we can do some good things here. Leave it at that. 
But you, in what world do you live in oh, okay. where anything you've seen makes you feel like you're well on your way to a Super Bowl? And I bring that up because it's not just him. Uh, who who else were I just? Oh, was I just looking at? Oh yes, it was uh, Sam Darnold with the Jets. I want to be a Jet for life. Shut up. You just want to be employed. Yeah, at this point, because you're about to be unemployed. You'll be employed quickly after that. But I don't know what your future is as a starter. But the bottom line, why these quarter? I wish these quarterbacks stop bailing these bad franchises out. Just say, man. I'm fortunate that I'm going to be able to come back and be healthy. I just hope that you know we change some things so that this doesn't happen again. What's wrong with being honest? Because Mike Brown's foolish enough to hear that and say, oh, see, he likes what we're doing. We don't need to do anything different. <laughs> in fact, if, if we can go find another Bobby Hart, let's get three more of them and just put them all, you know, well, Bobby Hart times three. You can't do that. You can't, you can't compliment bad ownership. Sorry, Sam Darnold. Sorry, Joe Burrow. Zach Taylor still employed? Yep. Really? about that? He saw his quote after the game, by the way. And his goal is just to continue to fight for his guys and continue each week. Their goal every week is to do everything they can to come up with a game plan to win a football game. And here's the problem. 29 games, 29 weeks. You've only figured it out four times in that stretch. <laughs> they, they, get, yeah, he, they need to move on quickly. Now, Keith Byers today on his show said that they need to do everything they can to go get enemy. If I'm enemy, I don't want you. you, you for one... You, you, you jumped over me last year when it made all the sense in the world for him to be the head coach of the Bengals. He passed up on him last year. Joe Burrow's a hell of a prospect. He's why any head coach with a brain would at least consider the Bengals' job, but that's where it stops. Joe Burrow is where you stop considering the job. Like Joe Burrow is why you would at least look at the job, and then it, it starts and stops at Joe Burrow, then you move on because there's other organizations that are a little bit of a mess too, but I think Houston could be a better situation for a lot of these coaches. I think that Baltimore is going to be a better situation for these coaches. I don't think Harbaugh is the coach for Baltimore next year. You've said that. That's you not staying right. on it? I, st- I mean, look, they're 7-5 and five right now. I just think that it's already getting stale. His message is stale. You have an well, MVP quarterback in Lamar Jackson. I think that they're going to say, we need to really invest into him and make sure we get someone in here that's going to capitalize on what he brings to the table. So, well, this is a whole new group of players that he has. Like, he's been there a long time. I want to say he's been there like 12 years. But this is his third year. I, I, I agree with you. But this is his third year with Joe, with uh, Lamar. Yeah. And they're not getting any better. It, like, I, what I thought was going to happen with the Ravens this year, Kev, I thought they were going to win their 12, 13 games. I really did. I thought they would get in the playoffs and then lose right away. And I thought he was going to lose his job going that route. Mm-hmm. It's even worse now. Because <laughs> now you're, you're probably, if you make the playoffs, you're going to be a nine-win team. You're not going to be confident going in. You're probably still going to lose in the first round. And now it's like starting to feel like you're losing grip on this team. They're going to need to kind of infuse that team with a breath of fresh air. Harbaugh's not a bad coach, and I don't even think they'd be moving on from him because he's not. I hate when people think that coaches are bad when they move on from you. Some are bad, like Zach Taylor. Others are like Harbaugh, who it's just the me- you've been there long enough. Yeah, the messages yeah. run stuff. Yeah, that's, that's nothing all. wrong with that. I mean, let's not forget that when they put in Lamar Jackson, he basically saved his job. Mm-hmm. He was out. He had already announced that he would be leaving at the end of the yeah, year. Yeah, he saved the craziest his job. Thing. Saved his job. And then he had that epic year where Lamar and them they went with what was their record? They went seven and one down the down the yeah, stretch. Yeah, they were cr- crazy. Like, the MVP year for Lamar. Oh, last and, year, yeah, yeah last year. year. And now this year it's just like they're sputtering on offense, and like they not only are they sputtering on offense, like the pace isn't there. Like I know they were a real run heavy and play action team, but the pace of them lining up like. It's not there. It's not clicking for whatever reason. And I still think it's a problem when you have a 5'9 receiver as your number one guy. I mean, I know 
Hollywood Brown is one of the fastest guys in the NFL and everything like that. But when you have a five nine guy as your number one guy, there's a problem. I mean, I know everybody's going to look at everything that's going on with KC and Tariq and everything like that, but he's not the number one receiving option. Travis Kelsey's the number one receiving option. Like when you got a five nine dude running slants <laughs> and square ends, it's a problem. <laughs> a five nine dude needs to run over routes and fly routes. It's not good. It's not good. So they needed a lot of draft help and get some bigger, bulkier receivers. All right, it's the Justin Kinner show uh, with Kev Nash here on fourteen ten ESPN Radio. We we go out with this real quick Facebook reaction. And Anderson said, "You are so right. Been a very long time since anyone can get excited about a Browns game. Last time for me was maybe nineteen seventy ish. The Colts were still in Baltimore. So yes, it has definitely uh, been a while." Oh. Reggie Brown or Reggie George says, "Go Browns!" Uh, with a lot, you know, he it's, he's overly emphasizing the Go Browns. Good for him. The Browns backers of Greater Dayton. Shout out to the Browns backers of Greater Dayton. Sound like a fantastic group. They say, we live in a world where the Browns are a legitimate threat to the Steelers, and the Ravens are not. Absolutely. 9-3, and three, the Browns are right on the heels of the uh, the Steelers after losing back-to-back games, which Shane Richardson, or Shane Rachelson, I'm sorry, says the, the Steelers still need to lose one more for that game to be for the division, talking about if the Browns and Steelers meet for the division late in the year. Uh, you know, they, they beat the Bengals and Colts no matter what. Cleveland does. Pittsburgh wins the division with the 5-1 and one division record. So they could end up finishing with the same record. But, the, you know, they would hold that tiebreaker um, there. So it's not a lock. Uh, Chris Schulp says, Browns will lose tonight. I'm not being a hater. I'm being realistic. Chris, you could say that you picked the, the Browns to lose tonight in a close one. Uh, but to sit there say you're realistic. The reason that the line, the Vegas says that this is going to be a close game. Vegas says it's, you know, the Ravens are favored by three. Um, and when anything's favored that close, by the way, it's not favored anything. It, it, it's it's going to be a tight game because there's not enough for the Ravens, for Vegas to even feel comfortable Putting, making that a bigger line. So if Vegas is saying it's going to be a three-point game, that means there's not enough, there's not confident enough in the Ravens to just totally walk away with this. So, Chris, you're making it sound like, oh, there's just no questions asked. Like, I'm being realistic. The Ravens are going to win this. No questions asked. What have you seen from the Ravens of light to make you think that they are playing good enough football to just for sure get a win? I'm not saying it's that crazy to think that the Ravens could beat the Browns, but I think it's a little bit foolish to sit here and act like the Browns haven't been playing good enough and the Ravens have been playing bad enough lately to think that, oh, the Browns just have no shot tonight. Kristen, just so you're clear, you could say you're not being a hater. It doesn't mean you're not being a hater. <laughs> Chris, you're like the guy, Chris, that says no offense, but, and no matter what you say after that, it's going to be offensive. That's you, Chris. That's you, Chris. I'm just saying, you are a hater, Chris. Your hater, your, your hatred's always welcome, though. So there's that. You just took that to 10 real quick. Well, because, no, I don't like when people try, they're trying to, you know, they're trying to do what I do, trying to soften the blow. When Chris says, oh, I'm not being a hater, I'm being realistic. That last part was the kicker, Kev. That's what did it for me. I'm not being a hater, I'm being real. You're being realistic. Be, being realistic about what? The, the, the Ravens are just for sure going to win this? It's a three. They're, they're a three-point favorite. Cleveland's been playing. They're probably the second or third best team in the AFC right now. And you're going to tell me you ain't being a hater. You're a hater. <laughs> so speaking of haters, haters, King Hater, Taylor Schrodey. If the Browns don't hold Lamar under 14 fantasy points, they're dead to me. Okay, it wasn't that hateful of a post. I have Lamar Jackson as my quarterback, but I benched him. But actually, I'm in a I'm in a buy. I'm in a buy this week because my team's that good, even with Lamar Jackson. <laughs> 
Chris says, no offense, Justin. There you go. All right, folks, we'll be back in a moment. Uh, we are heading into the final season for the Cleveland Indians. The Cleveland Indians will no longer be the name of the team following the 2021 season. And everyone's triggered. Everyone's angry. Ah! Next. Don't go anywhere. All right, we're back. Justin Kenner, Kevin Nash with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. Don't mind me. I'm just trying to get signed into my Bovada account here. All right, get that taken care of. You Browns haters have uh, pushed me over the line. People always say, put your money where your mouth is. I'm going to oh, put my money where goodness. my mouth is. I've had it. I've had it. Charles Mitchell, the Browns will be the clowns tonight. No threat to anyone on top of the AFC. Charles, they are on top of the AFC. They're on top of the, they're second place in the AFC North. They're one of the top teams in the AFC. They're actually one of the hottest teams in the AFC right now. And it pains you guys. It pains you. Everyone, we keep moving the goalposts every week. Oh, we'll see how they do. Uh, the, the Jaguars. Watch, they're going to lose to the Jaguars. Oh, they beat the Jaguars. Oh, well, it's just the Jaguars. They're in real trouble with the Titans next week. They beat the Titans. No way. Derrick Henry, Ryan Tanhill, according to Schrody, MVP quarterback, greatest of all time. I mean, Tom Brady calls Ryan Tanhill for advice, according to, to Schrody. Um, you know, it, there's no way the Browns the Browns were up by 30 in the first half. I think the Browns did just fine. Oh, but the Browns almost let the game you know, slip away. There's not a lot of teams that are going to play as intense in the second half as the first half, and you're up by 30 at halftime, but that's an argument for another day. No threat to anyone on top of the AFC. You beat the Titans. You're on Monday Night Football tonight. All right, and just so you just so you know, oh, Shardy said he never said that. Oh, my bad. I'm sorry. With all the other foolish things you said about Tanhill, I just assumed that, that that that's where you were with that. I just wasn't sure. The Browns are a three point underdog tonight, and everyone's just so confident that there's just no way in hell. Charles Mitchell says there's just no way. There's just no way. Schultz, he says I'm not being a hater. I'm being realistic that the Browns are going to lose tonight. Uh, and you know the Justin Kinner show with Ken Nash. You know that Justin Kinner can't handle being told that he's wrong. So now he's going to go on this long little tangent because people are telling him. That his team is going to lose tonight. The reason is, is because no one is picking the Browns to lose tonight with any kind of actual analysis. You're just doing it because you hate the Browns. You hate that the Browns are having success. You hate that last week everyone was projecting the Browns to lose. And they didn't just win. They literally took care of business. The game was done at halftime. And it drives you nuts. It drives you Browns haters nuts. It ticks you off that Baker Mayfield is actually keeping his mouth shut this year. And he's just he's continuing to go out there and win games. He's throwing touchdowns. He's not throwing interceptions. He's winning games. And that just irritates you. And it just it, it irritates you so bad. I mean, every time he pops up on one of those commercials, you just want to, you know, you throw, you know, you have your kid in your hand, you have a bottle, you just want to grab the bottle and throw it at the TV. You're just so angry. You're so upset. You hate that the Browns are doing what you what exactly you said they weren't going to do. They're 9-3. and three. They're second place in the AFC North. They're a game and a half out of the division, and after tonight, they're going to be right there in the thick of things, and they're going to have a chance to win this division. And that that infuriates you. It frustrates you. And it's sad. It's really, really sad. Really? It's sad. It really is. Now, Ron Howard's jumping in on the fun. Oh, Browns will get in the dance, but they're one and done. Like, that's a bad thing. Like, that. Like it's a bad thing to get. Oh, they're going to get to the playoffs, but they'll be one and done. Okay, before it was the Browns weren't even going to win enough games to get to the playoffs. Now they're going to get to the playoffs, and it's, yeah, well, they're not going to win a game. So they're just a bunch of bums. <laughs> You're a bum. How about that? The Browns are winning tonight, Kev. I haven't even told you my prediction yet, but the Browns are winning tonight. And they're winning by 14. They're winning by two touchdowns. They're winning by by two touchdowns. The Ravens aren't playing good football. Everyone last week, they beat the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys are a joke. 
Dallas Cowboys are a joke. And by don't the way, like the Cowboys? Uh, they're, they're embarrassing. Have you heard me claim them this year? Look, I'm wearing brown stuff today. I don't even wear my Dallas Cowboys stuff. It's embarrassing. And the fact is, Bengals fans, the fact that I'm saying how much of an embarrassment the Dallas Cowboys are, your team just got blown out by that team. So what's that say about your team? What's that say about your team? Your team's a bigger embarrassment than the Dallas Cowboys. You know the Bengals couldn't even get one win out of the NFC East this year? They would have come in last. If they were in the NFC East, they would be in last place in that division. In that division, they're just trying to be bad. They're not even trying to win. I mean, that's insane to me, Kev. The Browns are winning tonight. They're winning by 14. What's the score? What's the score? Yeah. I, and I said 14. They're winning by more than that. Look, Charles Mitchell, hold up, hold up, hold up. He says, you beat the Titans. Who cares? My Bengals went who day all over the Titans. Big deal. Dude, your team has won a combined four games in two years. What are you talking about? Oh, for, don't. Let, I'm being disrespectful. I apologize. There was that tie. My bad. I, I shouldn't even be responding to the Bengals fans. I, I'm, Too I'm, late. I am making them relevant in December, which is something they haven't been in forever. I should not even be giving them any kind of pub at all. The Bengals should be non-existent on this show. Period. That's just how it's going. Until they actually you know, decide that they want to be like the Browns and be a good football team. Everyone should aspire to be the Cleveland Browns, Kev. Period. Who we got on hold? <laughs> we got Jim. Uh-oh. Jim, how are you? Hey, I, I love that. I, I, I have something I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out at you. I want to get your opinion, but, oh, man, you sparked me. Uh, you know, <laughs> one, one, one time, you know, I got an older brother, and uh, when I turned into a grown man, if you want to call it that, I'm like 19, 20 years old. I beat him in our wrestling once. I mean, I'm stronger than my big brother. He beat me 220 times at least. <laughs> But you no, always have that one time. It's like the Bengals. Yeah, I, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Bengals. Yeah, brag about that. And he'll just he'll just look at me and shrug it off. Be like, yeah, scoreboard, buddy. <laughs> Two hundred twenty-four to one. He caught me. I was drunk, dude. <laughs> Maybe the Titans were hungover. Maybe they were drunk. I'm promising yeah, you. Yeah, you know. exactly. And so, I mean, I'm a Seahawks fan, you know. Uh, but I, I, I live out here. I, I root for the Bengals, and not a whole lot to root for. I tell you what, if they had just if they just held on to Andy Dalton and and still bring in Joe Burrow, and I'm saying don't bring in Joe Burrow, of course bring in Joe Burrow, but just having that presence, and then at least they have a chance to win some more games. And uh, I I honestly don't realize why they let them go a week after, but they'd at least be competitive. They'd certainly be as good as they were the year before, the year before that. And well, I shouldn't say the year before; they were terrible. But you know, they certainly wouldn't be a downgrade to a point where you watch them. You just want you know. I don't even I, – I, I watch the Browns play because it's a more entertaining game, and I'm not a Browns fan. But I watch the Browns play, you know, when they're on uh, CBS or Fox when the Bengals are on. No, and you know, that too. And to go back to your point and look about Andy Dalton. Look, Andy Dalton was never going to be kept just because of the contract. I think that had he had a friendlier deal, it would have been easier to keep the veteran around to to mentor Joe Burrow. But I just don't think in today's NFL, like we don't just see the 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 rookie quarterback drafted come in to be mentored and and to be groomed. Look, I know we saw that a little bit with uh, uh, with the Dolphins, but that was more of them being overcautious because of Tua's injury history. Uh, and now, thanks to the Bengals, uh, Joe Burrow will have injury history moving forward. Yeah. You would, think, you would think they would have learned from past successes. Well, what did they do with Carson Palmer? What do you so you would you don't want you don't like them being thrown out? No, into the fire? I mean, you think they would have they would have learned from a past success because Carson Palmer turned. I mean, almost I'm not going to say single handedly, but he turned that that team around. But he sat for a year and watched John Kitna be a professional. 
Yeah, the problem is, is we're just not patient enough as a fan base, no, as as media, as a, as an organization. Like the thing is, it used to be, hey, if you're going to draft, if you have the if you have a top three draft pick. You're probably not going to win games this coming up season. That's the expectation. Exactly. So if you should never fire a coach who loses that season after having the number one, two, three, even four or five draft pick that year. But the problem is, is there's losing and then there's losing the locker room. Zach Taylor's lost the locker room. Like you can Absolutely. lose games. You, he's you, the epitome. He's the epitome of if you're on the school bus and you don't know who the smelly kid is, it's you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and exactly. That, I'm sorry, that's the thing. But before I let you guys go, I. I uh, I was thinking, um, I saw it, you know, coming across thing this morning about the uh, Cleveland team changing their name, and I'm yep. like, man. Um, and the only thing that popped right in my head, I remember playing for the Elks back in the day, you know, 20-plus years ago, and we went and played this really cool team. They had a great uh, whole atmosphere going on, and they were the Dublin Rocks. And then they bought us 100 pizzas for both teams to, you know, we had a scrimmage where we played like a real game, and then we had 100 pizzas from Domino's and uh, had a good time. And I'm thinking, the Dublin Rocks, that's a really cool name. And then I thought about it. I hadn't thought about it until Cleveland decided to change their name. The Drew Carey thinking, Show, baby. The, but, it, but it makes sense because what's right there in Cleveland, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Mm-hmm. So you like the clear? You know what's funny? The reason you know why they won't do it. You know why they won't do it? The 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 Cleveland used to have a WNBA team, and they were the Cleveland Rockers. So I, you know, my 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 deep knowledge of the WNBA, I just spit an awesome fact right there. I'm so proud of myself. Hey, WNBA is good. WNBA is good basketball, man. But the but the the Cleveland Rockers, I feel like that would be would would that be a problem at all? That it would be too close to that. I mean, that's not even me trying to be funny. I'm just like, I, I, I mean, you know, why? they've the pro I mean, team has toyed with it in the past. Why not? I'm not totally against that. You're right, and the the, the song would just write itself. It would definitely just you know tie right yeah, into everything they the do. Yeah, first popped in my head. I want to get your opinion, but I didn't know that there were the Cleveland Rockers out there. But I'm thinking, who, who? I mean, who cares? I mean, you have WNBA teams that uh, that kind of mimic the the NBA team. Like you have the Utah Jazz, and what is the NBA? Uh, the WNBA is like the uh, the Wiz or something like that. And uh, it, it just it just seems like the, the Cleveland Rocks would be a great name, but they won't do it. They'll probably be the you know what? They'll call them the Cleveland Football Team. The Cleveland, the, yeah, the Cleveland Baseball yeah, Team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. The Cleveland Football Team. Actually, you know what? They do the call themselves the Cleveland football team. That doubles the chances of one of the Cleveland football teams being a winning team, and then that's always good exactly. for the Browns or the. Exactly. Okay, okay, I, I can no, work I with that. They go with, I think if they go with you know the generic like Washington has, it'll be the, they'll use the word club though, not a. Uh, Oh. Not team. They're called go. the Cleveland Baseball Club. But I wanted to hear about the Rocks, and I wanted to say something about Andy Dalton. He fired me up as I was grabbing myself a, a sandwich, and I'm like, oh, I, you know, I, I got to say something about Dalton. They just left him there. At least they, at least people would tune in and watch. They'd be a competitive enough team to, to think they could win. You know, the last couple of days. Absolutely. Hey, great hearing from you. Thanks so much, Jim. Take care. Happy holidays. Four five seven nine four six four. Lamar Shelley, what's Baker's primetime game record? Look, if we're going to go back to look, Baker's record overall throughout his career is not that great. We're talking about the reason the Browns are hot right now on the scene, Kev, is because they're new to the scene. They just started winning. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to start going back and using Baker's record in past games, look, that's why the Titans game was so impressive because Baker doesn't perform well against good teams. 
And not only did the Browns win against a good Titans team, he was the reason they beat the Titans. Like, he dominated the Titans. Sure, their defense isn't one of the top in the NFL, but Baker just went out there and balled out. There was no, the moment's too big for him. Um, Lamar says, just a question, not a slight. I'm on the defense of Lamar. I'm on the defense He's now. always on the defense. I was doing good, and then everyone got me fired up. They're like Everyone's like, oh, you got me fired up. No, you guys got me fired up. Like, you guys have more power with that than you think. Like, usually it's supposed to be the host that tries to generate the reaction. Like, I have, you know, maybe that guy that gets mad at me all the time. I do have thin skin. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe I do. I need to be a happier person. Maybe. I need to have more confidence in my teams to where I don't let the hate, the hate, the haters out there impact, you know, my defensiveness. I, I should no longer be defensive. I should just, you know, it is what it is. By the way, Bob McKinney says, I'm tired of Bengals fans saying that we lost to the Cowboys because we lost our quarterback. Uh, the Cowboys lost their quarterback way earlier than you. Plus, we lost three starting linemen as well. Oh, and our starting tight end as well. So no more excuses, please. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Uh, and Lamar, I don't have his primetime record right in front of me at the moment. So uh, Philip Reed says the Ravens have a point differential that is 100 points better than the Browns plus 85 or Ravens. You know, uh, but if Mayfield can keep the play action going, uh, they could have a shot to win. Kev, do you believe that sometimes matchups we use too many outside numbers instead of the, the now? Like, how are the teams playing now? Yeah. The Browns team, even though they're 9-3, and three, like, this three-game stretch that they're on right now is better than the previous three-game stretch where they were also winning games. Like, yes, winning matters. That's why I talked about the importance of the Browns learning lessons all while winning games, too. They were winning ugly. Justin Kinner, Kevin Nash, back with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. Browns and Ravens tonight. We'll get back into our college football discussion more tomorrow. Of course, we'll be recapping the Browns winning, of course. So, here's the deal. So, the Browns, plus 400 if they win between one to six points tonight. Now, I said, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. So, I said about 14 points. It's plus 1,100 if the Browns win 13 to 18 points. So that's going to put me, if I do 10, I win 110 bucks. I might put 20. Put a cool 50, big money man. First of all, I'm, I'm all about winning the big money, not betting the big money, you moron. That's how you get So you, you put 50 down, how much you win? This is always my favorite part. This is where it gets dangerous because then I mean, you start seeing what happens. Oh, damn. You get 550. Hey, man, don't you got a wedding to be paying for real soon? I just need to win it. See, I just need the Browns. The Let Browns, me stop. The Browns, Let me stop. The Browns be will pay for my wedding. It'll be a, how uh, how romantic would that be? If I could provide Nora the wedding of her dreams or a courthouse wedding because if the Browns lose. <laughs> oh, holy shit. Virtual. So, I mean, like, this is, I mean, yeah, so, you know, if the Browns win between one to six points, put five down, you win 20. Just saying, I don't have a problem. Go big or go home. It's only, I mean, people say, oh, you, you have a gambling problem. Like, it's only a problem if you lose. <laughs> if you win, you're good to go. All right. Uh, Lamar Shelley says, uh, are we looking for an old school running game and defensive battle or a new school quarterback shootout? The thing about these type of games, too, and if you look at Baltimore with with who they've played as of late, like the, the reason that they've been vulnerable is because they're not playing at a high level defensively or offensively. But at the same time, the way the Browns have won games and like these ugly, like where the 
you know the offense isn't showing up, the defense isn't really there, but the opposing team's not really you know, playing well offensively either. The thing that's interesting is, you know, you look at the fact that they lost to the Steelers 19-14. That was an ugly game. Mm-hmm. That was an ugly game. And it's not like the defense was taking things away from the Steelers. They, the Steelers' offense just was horrid that game. It was absolutely horrible. Um, they lost to the Titans 30-24. to all right? They lost to the Titans. The Titans are built offensively the same as the Cleveland Browns. And if anything, you can argue the Browns do what the Titans do better because they have more depth at that position. And the, you know, it's the, the Titans are Derrick Henry. The Browns are Nick Chubb slash Kareem Hunt. I'm not saying, you know, we can have a debate later, Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb. Who is better? I am curious your thoughts on that. <laughs> I am curious. Like, I'm not trying to get into like I would a t- I would say, theatrical back and forth here. I'm just I would curious. say Derrick Henry. I, I think, think I would take Derrick Henry too, Derek, but I don't think you're wrong either way. I think Derrick, after Adrian Peterson eventually retires and goes to the Hall of Fame, I think we might be looking at the last Hall of Fame running back we ever see in the NFL. Who? And Derrick Henry. Really? After Adrian Peterson. Interesting. Like, you, because these running backs, they have like such a short shelf life of coming in, punching you in the mouth. They're an off factor for a few years. Like, look at Zeke. Zeke's best days are behind him. Like, there's a good chance that we have seen the best of Zeke already, and it comes within that first rookie deal. That's why the Cleveland Browns have a big decision to make coming up. For one, like, they're, you know, we're talking about, man, what should the Browns do about Baker Mayfield? I'm less concerned about what the Browns do with Baker Mayfield than what they do with Nick Chubb. Because there is a part of me that is like, oh, man, they need to make sure they make him a priority. Mm -hmm. I did find it interesting that they paid, you know, they locked up Kareem Hunt for a few years. They're going to have to figure out what they're doing with Chubb coming up. Um, I'm not a big fan of giving running backs... Big, big money. I was not a fan of the Titans doing it with Derrick Henry. But if you're going to do it, it better be with a guy like Derrick Henry. Nick Chubb, very similar to Derrick Henry. Mm -hmm. I don't know how I feel. I don't know if the Browns decided not to pay Nick Chubb. I don't think I would lose sleep over it. But I do believe the Browns become more vulnerable without him. But I I do believe... saw them without him. And they won games, but Mm -hmm. they didn't win the same way. Like, let's, let's be honest. Baker Mayfield, the reason his game has been able to take off is because of the play. Like, Kareem Hunt's good, good running back, good quality back, but the Browns' offense wasn't the same with him being the featured back. When Nick Chubb's the featured back, that's where the play action really comes to, like, it just shows. Opposing defenses, they kind of respected Kareem Hunt, but it was still more uh, more difficult for Baker to take off. But with Nick Chubb back there, the play action has taken off because of the respect that Nick Chubb garners from the defense. But to go back to my point... Shelf lives for running backs are so short and small that outside of Derrick Henry, there are more Ezekiel Elliott's in the league than there are Derrick Henry's. And is Nick Chubb going to be a Derrick Henry, or is he going to be a Zeke Elliott? Is he going to be a Todd Gurley? Is he going to be a Leonard Fournette? Is he going to be these running backs that come in and make a huge splash? And they're these. I mean, how 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 much better? Like we thought Leonard Fournette was all this. Uh, Le'Veon Bell. Mm-hmm. How you know how many of these great running backs are going to come make a splash in their first four years? And we think, oh man, these teams have to pay him. The Steelers have to pay Le'Veon Bell. All right. The the Jaguars they have to pay Leonard Fournette. They did. They moved on from him because he just didn't. You know, it didn't lead to anything. Um, Todd Gurley, the Rams, they have to pay him, right? They paid him. They released him a year later. The Cowboys, they paid They paid him, and he's a bum now. Like, he's not <laughs> – I'm sorry. I know we love him because he's once a Buckeye, always a Buckeye. Unless you're Tate Martell. Unless you're Tate Martell. Uh, you know, we, we love Zeke because he's a former Buckeye, but I promise you this, he's not that good right now. He's just not. He had a good game against the the Bengals, but it's the Bengals. But, like, Zeke's motivation, Zeke, his work ethic, all of that declined the second he got that money. 
whatever, more power to them. But you know what I mean? Like, that's why me and you always go back and forth on this. I'm like, I just, it's not that I'm saying they're not worth it. The talent's always worth it. Le'Veon Bell was worth the money he was asking mm-hmm. for, but they don't have to give it to him. Nick Chubb's going to be worth every every dime that they, he asked for. I just don't think, I, I don't know. I don't have a good answer for it. It's easy for me to say, oh, the Jaguars don't need to pay for net. Oh, they, you know, Todd Gurley, the Rams, they, they don't need to pay that money for him. But those aren't my team, so it's easy for me to make that, you know. But with Nick Chubb, I think we've seen just how different this team is with him. I think that everyone's talking about what do the Browns do about Baker Mayfield? What do they do about Nick Chubb? Because that, to me, is the biggest concern moving forward. Have they been a? Oh, they've been a much better team since Baker's taken that step forward. Well, he's taken that step forward because of the run game, and that's yeah, really where it comes down. They're returning to. Nick Chubb. Yep, they're returning to Nick Chubb. I don't think it's a coincidence at all. For sure. What do you do? Um, I pay him. I pay him because I've seen what the team is like without him. And as good as the other running backs on the team are, they're not Nick Chubb. And I think that it's evident that when you have a special running back like that, they deserve to get paid because they produce wins for you. Like, same thing with the Titans. When Derrick Henry is getting 20, 25 carries a game, they win. When Dalvin Cook is getting 25 to 25, 20 to 25 carries a game, they're in games. When they're passing the ball over the place, they're losing. Like, these guys are special. Like, I'm not saying every running back is special, but there are a handful of guys that are special in this league that, you know, they result in wins and losses, and ultimately that's what it's all about, wins and losses. And I know the, that that stat gets put on the quarterback a, a lot of the time. Like, oh, he's got 15 wins straight over this team. Well, what are the guys around him doing? They they have a part in that too. You know, the offensive line has a part in that, the receivers, defense and everything like that, and the running backs are a huge part of that. So, I I say Pam and it like it ain't like he's old. He's not you know what I'm saying? He's not even like I I get where people's like, "All right, once you're like if you're trying to get a a big contract after the age of like 28, okay, I see what people are saying, but like when you're 25 years old, you still at least got five more years in you. Especially but these dudes. So earlier when I, I gave you those Ben Roethlisberger numbers, you said, well, we need, and you need other quarterbacks to compare that to. Mm-hmm. So I just gave you five other elite running backs in the league that weren't ish after their first contract. Mm-hmm. So I've seen enough of that for the me to be concerned if I'm the Browns. Like, that's my concern. Like, I agree with you. You would mm-hmm. think that age would be where, hey, they still have it in them. But I don't think it's a coincidence that every time we talk about, oh, man, this guy, he's going to be the next big back. I, I saw an interview with Emmett Smith over the weekend. You know, they said, you know, your record, of all the great professional sports record out there, your might be yours might be the most untouchable. And he said, look, he, he Emmett Smith said he believes any any record that is set by a human can always be broken by another human. Like, if it's humanly possible, it can be, it, it can be done. The league is cyclical. But we just went a whole decade where the run game caught on late, but the financial aspect of the importance of the running back did not catch on. Mm-hmm. We saw some teams make mistakes. I bet you, I guarantee if you ask the Cowboys, if they can, would go back and do it all over again, I guarantee you Jerry Jones doesn't give Zeke that money. Mm-hmm. And I don't blame him one bit. The Rams, not only if we go back and ask them if they would regret it, not only would they say yes, they sh- already showed us that it was a big regret. They just re- outright released him. The Jaguars, Leonard Fournette, same thing. The, the Steelers, they let Levy, They lost a whole year of Le'Veon Bell because they refused to pay him. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't technically wrong. He brought a pass-catching ability to the table of what he was asking for. They still didn't do it. There are, and then McCaffrey, too, by the way. Good job, Ron. Ron dro- you know, dropped him. Another one, 
a big a big name guy that's going to get big money, and he can't stay he on the field. Yeah, he just got so, paid. And he can't stay on the field. And that was before he even got paid. That was the, the narrative about him. So that's my concern moving forward. If I'm the Browns, I am not sprinting to the negotiation table with him. I, I'm going there saying, man, this is going to feel good early, but it's not. It's I don't know. It's like marrying a stripper. <laughs> But that's up to your... <laughs> You're not even going to like ask me to elaborate? Uh-uh. No, no, no. No, no, no. No, no, it's a family show. I think it's so up to your... So marrying a stripper means that... Aren't you engaged, man? Yeah, but she ain't a stripper, so we're good. <laughs> so, so you're talking about gambling, away y'all life savings, and strippers. Go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. The joke's on her. We don't have a life saver. So, <laughs> um, the bottom line... No, it's like marrying a stripper. Like, it sounds cool. It sounds like it's going to be fun. It's going to be great. You know, but... And, there's a lot of other things that oh, come. Anyway, so she has to go to work. Yeah. <laughs> you got to go to the doctor because there's weird bumps keep appearing. Like oh, I'm just saying, like, there's a lot of bad things that come with that. There's a lot of bad things about giving all your money to a running back. I'm just saying. Like, there's not enough success stories in recent history to support the Browns giving Nick Chubb the money. And I'm telling you this because I fear the Browns doing the right thing. The right thing is not to give them the money. The one time the Browns try to do the smart thing is where it'll come back and haunt him. Nick Chubb will go on to be the best running back in the NFL for the next 10 years, and they will be the ones made an example of. You know, Joe Mixon, by the way, and by the way, I do not put him in the category of those other elite backs, but he had very good numbers. Paying him was a mistake. The Bengals should not have paid him. For one, they didn't even need to pay him this year, and of course they ran to the, they try to do over the organization that respects our players and we pay him. Well, How's that worked out for so you? So what's a fair contract for Nick Chubb when I don't when know. he gets the, up? Oh, a fair one? Yeah. I mean, that would have to, but I would have to look at the percentages of like how much of a chunk of your revenue you're going to, or of your payroll you're going to put towards him. So I don't know. Like it's really doesn't matter because they, they ask for one thing. There, there will always be teams that will give it to him, mm-hmm. and it's usually not the team that already has him. That's why Leonard Fournette's with a different team. Todd Gurley's with a different team. Le'Veon Bell's two teams removed from the Steelers since then. So that's my concern for that. I just think it's up to the GMs and the front office to finagle it, to finagle those dollars and make them work to take care of your player that produced for you already and that you're expecting to produce in the future. Like, you know, their situation, especially we see this in the NBA all the time where they're able to make the numbers work. They, they, make, they make things work when they want them to work. Like, it's... You obviously have to take care, find your franchise quarterback. You take care of your franchise quarterback, but then you can't go into the same argument and say that, all right, we took care of our franchise quarterback, and then we're not going to give him any weapons, a la the whole Aaron Rodgers thing, which I don't really believe in, but that's a story for another day. Uh, You have to take care of them, and sometimes you got to dip into your pocket, and then that's up to you, the front office, to draft younger players quality young players and put them in those other positions around the older guys that you had to pay. And then once that cycle is over, you do it all over again. I don't necessarily think like, oh man, you should just be breaking open the bank for any and everybody, but the elite of the elite, you got to dip into the bag. But the Steelers would have made a mistake paying Le'Veon Bell. That's my point. Le'Veon Bell deserved the money he asked for. The Steelers would have made a mistake giving him that money. Period. The, the Rams made a mistake giving Gurley that money. The Cowboys made a mistake giving him that money. So your argument always, we, when we get to this point of a running back's career where you and I always have this discussion, 
you always do the holier than thou. You got to do what's right. You got to pay them for what they did and for what they're going to do. The problem is, is there's way too many examples of, okay, a lot of times we're talking about paying them this money because of what they did, but they never continue giving that to you. And there's way too many examples of that. So you're right, Le'Veon Bell, he deserved the money he I asked th- for. I thought they should have paid Le'Veon Bell. But they would have been wrong to do it. I, I don't necessarily believe they would have been wrong for paying Le'Veon Bell. Have you Bell. seen Le'Veon Bell? He's with the Chiefs and they can't even make him work there. I thought they should have paid Le'Veon Bell and reworked the contract with Ben and front-loaded his contract, which they're about to do this season. Mm-hmm. So now you put yourselves in a position where you have to front-load it now that he's even older and extend his contract for Big Ben. Where if you would have front-loaded it then and took care of your running back who was producing not only in the backfield but in the passing game, and then maybe we wouldn't be in this situation where we can't run the ball at all. So I was always a proponent of paying him. I don't necessarily believe that it's a negotiation. Like, you know, you come to the table with a number, the team comes to the table with a, a different number, and that's why it's called negotiation. Like, like that's where I was at with it. They I were negotiating. Know. Le'Veon Bell left. Yeah, for sure. And, and he has every right because he was a free agent. You know, he, he has sat out a year, got a big money contract with the Jets. The Jets are terrible. So I can't put that all on him that, oh, man, he sucks now because – the Jets are terrible. Like, they can't do anything right. So, and now he's on to the Kansas City Chiefs. Probably going to get a Super Bowl ring. So, it's gonna, he might be getting the last laugh. All right. We're going to get to our predictions. Uh, we're going to close out the show on the other side. The Browns and the Ravens. we got our predictions coming oh, up next. Don't go anywhere. Sports talk tomorrow because justice is going to be all over. He's one of the people from day one that says the Bengals need to get Ravens, Browns tonight, Monday night football. My prediction the Cleveland Browns win 33 17. 110 rushing yards on the ground for Nick Chubb and two touchdowns. And I'll say two touchdowns from Nick Chubb. If he only ends up with one, obviously Kareem Hunt takes the other one. But two, I'm predicting two touchdowns, 110 yards on the ground from Nick Chubb. Baker Mayfield <laughs> will throw for 280-something in the 280s. How about the 300? Fine, 300. <laughs> and he'll have two touchdowns as well. I'll even be realistic and give him an interception tonight, which I will not hold against him. Ravens have a good defense. If you're going to throw an interception, I'd rather you throw it against a good Ravens defense than against a team like the Jaguars who don't have a defense. So, you know, I could forgive a, a, a Ravens interception. I can't forgive a Jaguars interception. So so there you go. So I'll go for the 295. 295 plus. He throws a, more than 295 yards tonight. I won't go into stats, but I'll go with a final score. Browns win 27-24. 27-24? Yeah. Browns. Okay. I like it. It's going to be a good game, man. It's going to be a bad night for Browns haters. If you hate the Browns, I feel bad for you. If you if you hate Baker Mayfield, I feel bad for you. If you actually thought Baker Mayfield was the worst quarterback in this division, I really feel bad for you. Baker Mayfield, he started the coming out party last week. He's going to finish it tonight. The Browns are going to be 10-3. and And they're well on their way to competing to win this damn division. Cleveland Browns are winning tonight, and they're doing it convincingly. And it's not because the Ravens aren't playing well or the Ravens are bad. It's just because it's enough of you haters 
You just need to acknowledge it, that the Cleveland Browns, they're pretty damn good. They're pretty damn good. Three best teams in the AFC right now, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Buffalo Bills, the Cleveland Browns. That order. That order. Forget top team. Right now, Cleveland's the third best team in the AFC right now. Making the playoffs. Not only going to make the play. They're going to. They'll get a play. They'll at least get a. They'll at least get one win in the playoffs. They'll do. Baker will do more in his first year in the playoffs than what the Cincinnati Bengals did in that five straight years to the playoffs. Playoffs. 